So we transitioned from Black History Month to Black Women's Month, because that's what we're going to call it around here, <laughs> right here on the Jigsaw Podcast. This is These are your two favorite friendly neighborhood Casa Negros. I am Josh Rogers. I am Brian Hare. And we are here for another episode of your favorite podcast, where we talk about the craziest puzzle piece ever created. That is the Jigsaw Life, but particularly yep. we talk about the perils, mm-hmm. the praises, the productivity, and the pompous circumstance of being Black millennials just trying to figure this thing out. Brian! Yes. How are you? Man, it's always great to be black. Oh, yes. Yes. We are one day or two days removed from Black History Month. Listen. And. How do you feel? I feel I feel like I didn't do enough. I feel like we'll probably get this in the podcast, in the, in the living room, but I feel like I wasn't okay. black enough. Like, I just feel mm. like I just didn't give, you know, all the things that we need to give. You know? How much blacker did you want to be? I don't know. I feel like I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't like no incense. Ooh. I didn't use not one thing of cocoa butter. You didn't. Um, you didn't get any coochie incense. I didn't coochie, coochie incense. No. <laughs> I mean, Badu that's coochie. what Erica Badu sells. So her panties. It is yeah, her we, vaginal drippings. Yeah, we and need panties <laughs> rolled up in a little stick, lit on fire, and your house smells like her pH balance. Mm. <laughs> I will. I will try that. Because if, it, if, it, if it, I see what it's done for others. <laughs> My God. Well, do you want to try it still? Because you've seen what it's done for others. And those guys have not come back from the orbit <laughs> from whence Badu has sent them in. My God. Mm, I feel like Lord. it's dangerous up there. <laughs> hey, listen. Something. It's her. She, I think something on Instagram she said one time, it was like, what would, you, if you, what would your vagina say about you? And she said, I'm the best rapper alive. And I said, hey, oh. listen. <laughs> she, she has... A type, and she she goes for it. She'll miss. The, She'll miss. She's the. I gotta. Speaking of, you just. This isn't a music episode. I started off with "I'm Every Woman," you <laughs> know, because it's Black Women's History Month. But I mean, you said that Erica is the best rapper alive, so I feel like I should double down on that because she raps on one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. I told you, Badu Eric Badu Live is my mm-hmm. favorite live album, and. Where is she? Is it here where she raps? Hey, y'all want to sign for That ain't it. Hold on. Someone <laughs> here. Let the Lord use you. Oh, here it comes. That big one. Hardcore, 
They wanna play tug of war. Jealousy up here between both your ears, cause I've been doing this shit for years. Never going out back. I'm a female max, so sacks get back while my dollars stack. Potential flies not to see them, but still hard to handle. Got it up top, don't watch the black channel. Got so close on funky, take a whip of the jam. You're all with the song, just say thank you, man. See, that's why I love live albums. They just mm-hmm. they go and do stuff yeah. that they just you know something about that studio don't bring up out of. Them. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's much better than your girl, Miss Norwood. <laughs> no, what Norwood? Uh, Brandy, Dor- Dorothy, <laughs> Brandy, <laughs> Brandy. <laughs> what she call herself? Biraka. We don't want. We don't. We don't want any of that queen stuff. <laughs> R.I.P. to queens. <laughs> no, R- no, it, it deserves to die. It, no, R- what a sh- no, what a show it, that was. And it's your fault. I even watched that stuff. It is. This your is Women's fault. History Month. We we gonna we gonna Mm-mm. we gonna bless you gonna our queens. It? You gonna rewatch it? I will not. <laughs> <laughs> what a show that it was. Ah, they brought. Ooh, it was Brandy, so cringy. It was so cringy. Tari Norton, E. They brought E from her castle. <laughs> and, this, and this Latin ex woman, I still don't know who she is, together, and thought it was a good idea <laughs> to Listen. make them a rap group. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I don't know. It was so bad. It was so. And I was gonna, I was gonna keep watching Stick Beside It as long as it was running. I was gonna stick beside it, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it died. I'm so glad if I'm glad any show died. See, they learned they less Fox learned just less with Empire. They said, "Nope, here we go again. Mm-mm. Shut it down. Mm-mm. Shut it down." In- Empire was <laughs> at one point. It was great at one point. And then all of a sudden, it, it wasn't off the really rails. great at one point. If you go back, it was enjoyable <laughs> at one point. We gotta stop being like Scandal started off phenomenal and oh, had a slow. I, I want to go back and watch Scandal. Empire, I don't know that it was ever great more so than the blacks just loved the idea of it. So <laughs> you didn't enjoy decided, drip drop drippity drop. I did not enjoy drip drop <laughs> drip drippity drop. <laughs> I did not enjoy free the gas. I did, and it seems like ever since Terrence Howard played the character from Hard Out Here for uh, Hustle and Flow. He Whoop has never been able to let go of that accent. So I, I you know, it's just all the cookie. I, I love Mr. Taraji P. Henson. But it's it was precious. It was so many things. Because I can't remember that girl's running. Gabrielle Zibidai. Mm. Oh, she was on that show. She was. It was so many things. Where has she gone? After Empire, that woman of God went back. I don't know. what she, I haven't seen her in anything mm-hmm. since the Empire. <laughs> Mm. So and then you know the Samolet Krishna oh, wasn't show. You know, and then what what happened to Drippity Drop Man? Where is he? He, he started getting arrested and stuff like that. He, so you know, then Spire's cursed. <laughs> My and, God. And the show was cursed. My God. <laughs> well, Lee Lee Daniels, Terrence Howard, and Taraji are all doing phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and whatchamacallit? What's her face? Um, um, the light skinned girl Kitty. who Boo-boo Kitty, she's in Harlem, mm-hmm. so she's still doing well too. Yeah, she's she's mm-hmm. has a job still. Speaking of um Harlem mm-hmm. is an all-woman show since we're women say, Do you watch Harlem? 
Uh, no, I don't. I don't oh, watch it. Yeah, just to be honest, you didn't have to lie. You don't have to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I intend on watching it at some point, but I, I don't watch it currently. Yeah, no. Season two is currently. I think all the episodes are now on Amazon Prime. This is not an ad, but if y'all want to sponsor us, that's cool. Um, all season two is now Amazon Prime. I'm halfway through it. Like I had reservations at first because I'm not the biggest Megan Good fan in terms of her acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just interested to see how she would carry a show. And she's, mm-hmm. she's doing her thing. Like, she ain't giving us no, you know, Emmy Award winning performances, but she's doing, she's definitely doing her thing for sure. So, mm-hmm. it's good. I think you would enjoy it. That's I think you would enjoy it. And it is, again, for black women in New York, you know, major city, so it follows that formula. Um, but it's really good. Huh. I, I think you I think you would like it. I'll, I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, so are, are we done with the intro? Um, well, I want to ask you this: This is Women's History Month. Well, okay. I got you. Before we get into the official Bless Up report, is there any particular Black woman that you want to highlight? Shout out, starting off Women's History Month, Black Women's History Month, uh, of course, Negro Women's History Month. Shout out to my mama, mama. Shout out to Lauren. You know, always gotta shout you out, um, Brooklyn. Gotta shout her out. Mm-hmm. Um, black woman, I would like to shout. I'm trying to think about do current or historical figures. Mm, okay. Um, mm. Just because I'm a hard fan of Lou Hamer. Okay. I love that. I just, I, I really Fannie appreciate Fannie Lou Hamer. She's a biopic. Mm-hmm. She does. Um, the, she, she does not really get, she gets, she gets respect. I don't feel like she gets the level of respect that she deserves. Yeah, being she a black woman all the in Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, she understood the law. She understood her rights. She was strong enough to go to Washington. And when they had the opportunity for her to speak in front of a great audience, they cut it off a of TV. You know what I'm saying? They like, because they were afraid of this black woman's voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, bless up, even though rest up, even though it's not the part of that, you know, family. Yeah. Like, for you sure, know, she she gets all the flowers from me. Um, if I could find, a, if I had a Fannie Lou Hamer shirt, I would wear it. My God, um, she's one of my favorite um, people in in our history. What about so you? we so be prepared because I'm gonna ask this every week. Oh, okay. Um, we can do it. So of course, Robin Rochelle mm-hmm. Anderson Rogers, <laughs> um, Asher, and shout out to Asher's also Social Workers Month. So shout out to oh, her. Shout for out to Social Workers. Y'all do um, a wonderful job. My sisters, Rashonda and Jessica. I checked them out. My grandma, Dilly mm-hmm. Harris Rogers, didn't have mm. a middle name, you know, so that that maiden name becomes middle name. <laughs> um, and then if we're gonna go on uh, historical fiction, y'all already know I'm gonna shout out, you know, um, Boston un- and unbought Miss Shirley Chisholm, and <laughs> um, and then this is one for the culture. <laughs> okay, Maybelle Simmons, um, uh- better known as Madea. Better known as Tyler Perry, um, and not to say that Tyler Perry is a woman. I'm not. I'm not alluding to that. I'm not saying that. So catch the context. But I'm just saying when he <laughs> shut up, right? When he introduced her to the culture, right? Listen. The culture hasn't been the same since. Like she has, like Madea has an imprint on the culture, right? So right. in terms of television and entertainment, like we can say all we want to say about um, Tyler Perry and his art and you know mm-hmm. all of that, but. <sighs> 
most of us in a black in a black childhood, we sat and watched them plays. They had a chokehold on us. Yes. I went to one of them live. Really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, in Memphis <laughs> when he was on his tour. Yeah. My, my, so my mom took us to them black at least once a year, usually around tax season. So shout out to tax season. My mama would get that money. We would get dressed up. We would go to the Orpheum Theater right there in Memphis, right on Bill Street. And we would go to, a, we, I went to all the, when the woman's fed up, what does she do next? Uh, I went to all the play. We went to every year. Mama don't beat me. Mama don't beat me inside the church because I've been burdened too long. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's the name of them. We went it. to them joy. We sat there. But it was my in her own very, very, very black way. It was her way of introducing us to like theater culture. Oh yeah, and she did it every year, bro. And we would go like to this, um, like a Houston's, you know what I'm saying? Jay Alexander sitting there. We, I mean, we would do a big steak dinner. Like, shout out to Black Mamas. Like that was her way <laughs> of exposing mamas. us to culture. It was like it's more than again, very very black plays, <laughs> but it's more than the, you know the movies and the music and this mm-hmm. this and that. Like there are different avenues of entertainment and and art and yeah. So yeah. like she paved the way for me to let my children go, you know, to go to mm-hmm. um, the, the 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 Woodruff Theater and see a Christmas Carol and mm-hmm. you know things like that. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah, that paved the way. So shout out to Madea, and let's, to Madea. let's not act like Madea wasn't Madea. Like right, let's like right. act like Madea wasn't that girl. <laughs> right, like I enjoyed Madea. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and that's you know. I know we like to be bougie and black and all that yeah. kind of stuff. We'll probably talk about yeah. that in, in the living room, but mm-hmm. like Madea was a thing. Yeah, and even though portrayed by a man, so I'm not mm-hmm. again. I am giving women their flowers. The representation of what Madea meant to mm-hmm. culture is what I'm highlighting. So yeah, if anybody was, gonna splice this clip clip up and take yeah. the words out of context, get all of this <laughs> because yeah. that's what I'm, that's that's what I'm highlighting. Yeah, I think Madea, if anything, was a a showcase, a letter written to the black grandmas out there mm-hmm. who are in Dor- like my I've seen I've saw pieces of 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 my grandmother. Shout out yeah. to Dorothy Bay Peters, uh Kumar, um, and Madea. So I I'm not even gonna hold you and act like mm-hmm. I didn't see that. So mm-hmm. y'all thought I was just trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Not this time. Not this mm-hmm. time. All, All right, right, Brian. So I do have me. a black ass moment though. Okay, go ahead. Ooh, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Brian's black ass moments for those that don't know is questions and conversations concerning black culture and community, maybe mm-hmm. critical, maybe comical, right? Okay. Or maybe comedic in nature. Okay. So this week, my question is, and I'm gonna give you some context before I give you the question or the you know moment, is a picture came out. Okay. It's beautifully done. Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, what is his brother's name? What is his name? Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. Embracing, uh, loving. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was poetic. It was mm-hmm. all the things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and this is what then theme of the whole overall show. But sure. why does mm. black male affection mm. and love make us or the world just nervous, uneasy, Um I've you can watch and I'm I don't like that when you go and talk about different cultures and stuff like that. But yeah. I'm I need to do this for this moment. Sure. You watch Italians, men literally kissing each other, hugging each other. You know what I'm saying? Like No, that, that's not funny. You so you so black. You say you watch Italians. Italians. <laughs> <laughs> the E the Italians. 
it's Italians, Italians. What, I, what, don't, you know what please don't say Italians because it's getting black. It's okay. I just love it because it's a black ass moment and it's very black. Go ahead. It's, it's just called me. Go ahead. But you, like you see them hugging, kissing, you know, uh-huh. like literally. Sure. Like, and and there's no. And some of them are like the, the gangsters and all the yeah, mafia. I mean, yeah, gangster yeah. mafias. Yeah. I've seen. I've seen that. You know, I've seen. You know, and I've seen that. And they're they're embracing with a hug. A yeah. kiss every single time, right? But then you have these two black men just hugging, showing some love, some affection, mm-hmm. and it just yeah set off this firestorm of yeah of of what is going on here. Yeah, no, I, I so when I first saw the picture, I liked it and I went on about my business. I refused to go to their comment section <laughs> because mm-hmm. I knew exactly what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because if you want to go back a couple of weeks ago. When mm-hmm. Jonathan Majors came out with the um the photo shoot, yeah, with the with the pink jacket and all that kind of stuff, and there was a lot of think pieces from niggas talking about you know quote unquote you know masculinity and it's being destroyed because of that. I thought the photo shoot was absolutely amazing. I want to recreate it, but they gonna sell not necessarily with the jacket. There was mm-hmm. one where he had like books on his head or something because I'm a writer and reader. Like I want to do that. Um, and the main reason I ain't doing one with the jacket is because my body ain't where I want it to be quite all the way there yet. So that's really the only reason why I ain't trying to do that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but like, so, I, and then I think Michael B. Jordan, if I'm not mistaken, I just, because I follow him on IG, mm-hmm. he just released, he's just now a part of a new Calvin Klein underwear ad. So oh, like, okay. so you got him on one end doing this, posing in that way. Then you had Jonathan Majors, you know, posing in this way. Mm-hmm. And then you got them two together hugging and embracing. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, bro, I think, you know, without going deep, deep, deep into it, and I feel like this can be a conversation at some point. Maybe, you know, we do a lot of live planning here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's like, you know, unfortunately, the way society views masculinity and how we um, should, quote unquote, protect it and what it like, we shouldn't be too vulnerable with each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even from the standpoint, think about it like this, bro. Yep. Two thousand In the today of things, if I saw you, it's nothing mm-hmm. for me to walk up to you and give you an open arm hug. Yep. Take us back when me and you first met. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's fast forward a little bit past before we first met. When we when we finally gained camaraderie and yeah. we consider ourselves friends. So let's say we met 07. Um, so let's go to about 2009, right? Mm-hmm. We solid into a friendship at this point. Yep. We at that point, we still did the boom hand in the, between us. <laughs> the hand. There's no like there's no break, right? And I think, but that's just like you mm-hmm. don't hug another, like you if he ain't your father mm-hmm. or whatever. You don't hug another man, right? right? And that was just things that we were taught. Now, as again, like with this podcast, we yeah. learn and we unlearn. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is wrong for me to give my brother a hug? What is, and, yeah. and not just because he crying because somebody died, but like just because I miss this nigga. Mm-hmm. Um, or I love my brother or and then things like that. Now, you know, if you ask me, like, I don't like my hair being touched. So I don't care about they how they was, you know, hug. Just don't touch my hair when you try to embrace me like that. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if right. I had to pick one critique, that would be, but that's just a personal preference. But right. um, you know how long it takes me to do these curls and stuff? Uh, but no, <laughs> I get sidetracked. But I'm just saying, like, but I can see how people would do that. But then there's additional context behind it. I think I read somewhere that right before that photo shoot, Michael B. Jordan had just said something along the lines that I lost a brother in Chadwick Bozeman, mm-hmm. grateful to have gained another one. Yeah. And Jonathan Major's response was, "I'm your something along the lines of like I'm your brother, I'll always be your brother." And then mm-hmm. that kind of natural moment evolved, and it got caught on camera. So yeah. like, not to say that there needs to be context, 
But the fact that there was even mm-hmm. more context to it provides like, and y'all, so y'all really, y'all tripping, not only were you tripping if it was just how they decided to pose, but yeah. you tripping, tripping. Mm-hmm. Because there's even greater context behind why there was an mm-hmm. embrace and why they are so close. And as long as those, and, and you know, <clears> and you know, and people going to start talking about their sexuality and all these different types of yeah. things. So, man, I just think, unfortunately, society isn't ready for mm-hmm. that for, on a wide scale yeah. for that level of vulnerability. But I think it takes conversations like these. It takes people like them mm-hmm. um, who continues to say, F it. I'm going to do what I want to yeah. do anyway. Yeah, and I'm a type of person. I I I I love male affection. Like in terms of, I'm not. And the older I get, <clears throat> I, I understand that it's important and it's need in society, uh, yeah. especially black male affection. <clears throat> um, mainly because you, you you you, it's the idea of I value this black man. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love this black. I'm gonna tell you that I love you. Like yeah. we, we do all the time as brothers. We tell each other we love each other all the time. Like that's something we just do. It's it, it's it is what and we. Ain't gotta be no special reason. No special reason. And I remember when I first started telling Chris I love him, he was like, whoa, this is weird. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that, because we grew up in a society of, but I grew up in a household of like, tell people you love them. Like, that's what you do. Um, so now it's something we do regularly. We're checking on each other regularly. Like we talk about this all the time. But if you see mm-hmm. more black men in society, I do feel um, showing love, showing appreciation to one another. Um, I feel like over time, it, it will, it will, through the next generations, you will see more of a, um, a a idea of valuing each other um, in terms of our, our humanness, our flaws, whatever it is. I feel like the more affection, the more love we show towards another. And as black men at our level, and we show that to our next generation, um, then I feel like um, the next generation will be better off um, and for us tonight. So that's my black ask moment. Yeah, absolutely um, agree. Again, questions or conversations concerning black culture and community. This was more, not actually, this wasn't really critical or comedic. It was just really something I really felt that needed to be, I guess, discussed um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in the culture. All, All right. right. What are we? So, song of the week. Mm. Here we are. That's a good one. It's going to be a good one. All right. And, I, and I'm not going to do March Madness. Oh my God. <laughs> Why not? I was going to do March okay. Madness, but you know, I I don't I don't know the lyrics now, so oh, the I end wasn't either. Going. <laughs> We're not going to say. I said or then. Um, you said now. <laughs> I was just saying, like I don't know what's changed, but go ahead. Go so March thing. Madness was on the list, but I don't I didn't want to you know. I, part of me was going to go and try to memorize the words, and then come out here and perform for the people. But perform March Madness? Yeah, I was going to do it. But oh, okay, okay. I'm, I don't know the okay. words. So I'm not okay. going to do that. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so here we go. Okay. I got another song. All right. That deals with March. Okay. It's a deep crate song. Okay, that oh was God. marching on. Keep marching, excuse me, by Rafael Sadiq. Um, oh my God. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> deep crate. <laughs> 
Deep crack. Deep, uh, deep. You, your elbow was in the crack. No, your shoulder blade was in the crack. That's Loki. A really good album. It's it's his okay. his old to old school. Well, I can tell because I was it's, definitely like, is this like a Smokey Robinson and the and the Miracle <laughs> song that I missed? Like, it sounds like it's a it's a solid album though. It's, yeah, it's okay. a solid album. Uh, and you know, people really don't give um, Rafael Sadiq his credit. He was a he did a lot of the score, a lot of the musical Insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a writer, creator, producer, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's done. He's had an amazing career. So those that don't mm-hmm. know who Rafael Sadiq is, he's least singer Tony 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 at one point. Tony um, Tony Tony. Google the man, and you'd be like, oh. He's important yeah. to the culture. He, deser- he deserves the things and the accolades. Yeah. Yep. So, um, keep marching. And we're so you didn't know dirty soda, dirty soda in a styrofoam. <laughs> dirty. Soda. Spend a day to get your mind blown. Oh, that's dress up and go to NASA. <laughs> Two hundred <laughs> miles on the dash. <laughs> yeah. Got to roll up a pound of gas and switching lanes in the Grand Rapid. We the ones that kept it cool with all these niggas till these niggas start acting. <laughs> Shoot a nigga like a film in a movie. Nigga, gonna let him have it. We ballin' like it's March Madness. <laughs> All these cops shooting. Nigga's tragic. I'm the one that's living lavish like I'm playing for the Mavericks. I didn't want up, Yo. <sighs> anyway, that's mm. what it is. So, Marching on to Zion by Raphael Sadiq. <laughs> What's the song of the week? <laughs> what was the name Next of the song, year. right? What'd you say? What was the song? What's the name of the title? Keep Marching. Keep on marching. Keep marching. Keep marching <laughs> by Raphael Sadiq. Raphael, do you like it? Cannon. <laughs> are you caught up on? Um, are you caught up on Bella? He started season two, okay. so I was. You know, I was in the Minnesotas. Yes, Rest last up. week, and um, I, I'm slowly getting caught up on all my television, and that's next. So I've caught up on BMF, caught up on some of my other shows, and mm-hmm. like I think I'm probably watching it to Bel Air to at least season. I mean, episode one of it tonight. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'll be in it. I'll be in starts it. Off, starts off good. That's good I'm sure it does. It took you eight years just to watch it. So <laughs> but let I me did. get on in there and get current. <laughs> All right. Let's get All right. Yeah. All right, we're here at the Blessing Report where we shout out black folks doing great black things. You know, we uh-huh. do not relegate black patronage or supporting black businesses to just Black Friday or to Black History Month. We support black business all year long. And every week that we come on this podcast, we're going to celebrate and support a black business. Yes, okay? sir. So this yes, week, sir. we are going to bless up Sweet Lip Cigars. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, out of Houston, Texas, right? So if you love cigars or we'll be visiting... A black Mecca. Right? <laughs> visiting Houston sometime soon. Check out Sweet Lip Cigar Lounge, right? Uh, you know the noops love a cigar, Joshua. Um, Y'all love a cigar. <laughs> I be like, get away from me with this. <laughs> Listen, the minute I have a side fraternity corporate, they love a cigar. I do not enjoy it. They want to always go to a cigar lounge. I don't enjoy Either. it. My clothes right. stink and my, my childhood asthma rises back up. Listen, I should be in there trying to, you know... Act like I'm, I'm at, having fun. I'm at the stage <laughs> of my life now. I'd be like, I'd catch y'all at the next one. <laughs> they love a cigar lounge. Like if, <laughs> or just out outside just smoking cigars. I'm like, it's always on the agenda. Like, we we got cigars. I don't no. I don't understand the fascination with cigars. I don't. I no, don't. But I ain't judging Looks, the ones who do. I'm not. I'm not. That's I, you know, that's between you and yours, right? Actually, as you as what does our sister say? That's your business. That's right? your business. That's your business. Um 
So the Black Owned Cigar Lounge is known for their quality flavored cigars with exotic flavors for men and women that will excite the taste buds. These cigars are heavily flavored. The actual, the, the tip of the cigar is dipped in sugar for <laughs> ultimate taste and sweetness. My God. Right. You'll actually notice the aromatic, uh, the aromatic aroma as soon as you open up a package. And they promise mm-hmm. you that if you order it, if you go to the cigar lounge, whatever it is, the taste gets better and better. They actually have flavors. This is where it gets really black. Okay. Um, flavors include black cherry. Okay. Hazelnut and orange liqueur. Okay. Passion fruit, the place is, whatever. But okay. those are some flavored cigars, right? And they don't disappoint, right? And they believe mm-hmm. that a puff, every puff is a kiss, and you want to smoke with passion, pleasure, and poise. Okay. So again, if you're this, uh, if you're in the Houston area, or you can actually go on the website right now, uh, sweetlipscigars.com. I believe you can order cigars. And they also have merchandise and all that kind of great stuff on there as well. Follow them on Instagram, sweetlipscigars on IG. Go out there and support black folks and great black things. That is the Bless Up Report. Is there anything you want to add to that, Joshua? No. I mean, other than the fact that you're absolutely right, we celebrate black businesses all year. So bless mm-hmm. up to Sweet Lip Cigars. We celebrate y'all nigga for seven. That is all the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> so if you have it's a black business that you want us to patronize or shout out or bless up on the podcast, let us know. Send us the page. We Depending on if it aligns with something that we may care about, we uh, may... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Brian said we don't care about all y'all stuff. <laughs> okay, let's make it clear. <laughs> we we don't care about everything, but if it aligns with what we care about, yeah, we will bless it up on. We this gotta have podcast. some boundaries. We do, we do. There was one thing on that where I wanted to bless up. It was I was joking, but I don't know if I would ever put it on the blessing report. It was that um, what was that uh. The, not doggy style class. What, what was it? What was the class for um, learning how to please your man mm. by being on top? My God. Yeah. In so a straddle no kind of sense. Yes. I understand. Mm. I understand. You can't so straddle up. the fence. A bless up to uh, <laughs> lip. Every kiss begins with K. Ain't that what they said? No, they said every puff is a kiss. Every puff is a kiss. <laughs> every puff is a kiss. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Did anybody die? I didn't see anybody. Ooh, well, somebody's obituary is always full. <laughs> but in terms of what we be looking for, mm-hmm. I feel like God stayed the hand of death. Nobody's at the banister of heaven smiling down, getting like a schoolgirl. I'd be well, I'm sure somebody is, but not nobody we know. <laughs> All right, let's bunny hop on. That's, that will never not be funny. Um, let's bunny hop on over to the billboard. So, Akila and the B, allegedly mm-hmm. Krishnam cousin and allegedly my cousin, for what my mm-hmm. uncle tell me, like on one side, <laughs> you know, five cousins removed or something like mm-hmm. that. Kiki Palm had a baby. And in celebration, Mm-hmm. Of the combination mm-hmm. of Negro Appreciation Month, <laughs> Kiki Palmer gave this baby mm. a sumo wrestler. I mean, Andre the Giant <laughs> level strong. World Black strongest man. Name. I mean, I didn't even think Hulk. they were still. I didn't even think they were. I mean, listen, Hulk, She-Hulk, every Avenger, <laughs> strong. <laughs> I didn't even think they was making kids with these kind of names no more. But apparently they are. 
Kiki Palmer digged into her bag, government named Lauren, <laughs> digged in her bag, her deep bag, and she decided to name her son, her first child, firstborn, first of his name, mm. Leotis. <laughs> Leotis. And Drelton <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> Listen, when he get older, he gonna introduce him and say, my name is Leotis. Some call me Lee. Some call me Otis, but my name is Leotis. And Drelton Jackson. My God. I mean, what a, Beyonce started us off with Renaissance tickets and Kiki ended the month with the nigga of nigga babies. I mean, that baby came out with cognac on his breath and a few chest hairs around his nipples. Newport's in his mouth. That's Newport. He already got black marks on his fingernail. That's a grown. He, he already know how to change a carburetor. That's a grown man. <laughs> that man want a hungry man dinner. Forget that milk. He's like, that is a grown man. He was born with the intellect of a barbecue grill because he is going to be a a master in the summertime. I just Leotis is a Leotis. But when you're rich, you can do what you want. And I'm so you, you, know, you know what's so beautiful about this? Yeah, is that most rich people go like, let's name our child Star. Mm-hmm. Let's name him North. Beyonce even named her child Blue. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Kiki said, uh-uh-uh. If we're going to have a name that we don't care about jobs, <laughs> let's go to let's go to the ancestors. <laughs> Lee Otis. I love it. I love it. Because you, you can go on either spectrum, Brian. You can go yeah. real artsy-fartsy or you can go mm-hmm. real black. And I'm so glad. <laughs> I mean, Lee Otis and Drelton. And right? Drelton? <laughs> it's and he, so and good. His, and his surname was just cemented in color. Jackson, it's just, it's just, it seals the deal. Listen, how many, how many white Jacksons you know? I, I don't Andrew, know. That's it. I, that, he don't count because <laughs> they they say he has some nigga down in his blood anyway, so he don't count. <laughs> she named that baby Leotis. Leotis, man, that's Leotis. so good. I love it so much. It's so given. I was on the front lines with my Luther King. Listen, it is so he, it is. He knows the man. Listen, he was in the Harlem Renaissance. It was he was an abolitionist. I just Leotis was a gonna have a part in it. He's gonna have a part in it. He ain't gonna Mm -hmm. never have no straight hairline. It's gonna be natural. (laughs) It's gonna naturally grow. He was born with a fro. That just that is that baby. Oh, that baby is Leotis. So precious. We're so glad to it did my heart so good. It did. We're so glad over here to know that Kiki and boyfriend are doing well. Baby's doing well. And, you know, we just we excited about little Leo. Uh, some call me Lee. Some call me Otis. Otis. <laughs> but my name is Lee Otis. Uh, well, anybody come to see Lee Otis? Anybody, everybody, everybody come to actually see Lee Otis because he the only one still alive. <laughs> we talking about Otis Williams and the Temptations because they all did. They all right. did, right? All of them. <laughs> if, 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 if I'm going to get the last laugh was a person. <laughs> It's Otis Williams. <laughs> that nigga has literally outlived all the originals and all the replacements. <laughs> all of them. Literally. Yes. All of them. Still ticking. Still, he look crazy as ever these days. Mm-hmm. But, um, have y'all seen a picture of Otis Williams, like a current picture? Yes, he wore that one long like, dangling earring. <laughs> he looks like he met... Bootsy Collins and got stuck right there in that era and never came out. And just something, something is the drugs. Whatever David Ruffin was on, <laughs> Otis Williams is still on <laughs> today. Um, anyway, let's jump on over to the next thing. The audacity of white people just doesn't, you know, 
It just doesn't stop. Um, a white student who was expelled from Howard University Law School is now suing the HBCU um, in Washington, D.C., alleging race and discrimination and creating a hostile environment. The plaintiff, Michael Ray Newman, Call his name who out. attended uh, Howard University School of Law in fall 2020, said he suffered emotional, mental, and economic harm and seeks more than $2 million in damage. The plaintiff allegedly did the following things. Compared himself in a Zoom chat box as a white student at a historical black university to a black student creating a... Um, attending a predominantly white school saying he felt utterly disenfranchised, retweeted a July 2020 tweet from his private Twitter account, which showed the infamous image of an emancipated slave, Gordon, also nicknamed Whip Peter, posted with numerous tweet, but we don't know what he did before the picture was taken. Um, you know, there's. I'm, I'm going to let you go. So many thoughts that I have concerning this little situation here. <laughs> it's just a perfect example of the... Um, as you say, the ocean, not the My shark. Supremacy is the ocean and not the shark. Mm -hmm. um, is the he did all of these things to, in essence, to create a hostile environment. Uh, it's kind of like you going in a lion's den, right, mm -hmm. and showing them meat and being like, "Well, why are you wanting to eat meat?" Right. So you're in in a in a predominantly black space antagonizing black people being super insensitive and you're like well why why are you making it why are you are making it tough for me like no you're you're in this in this space and you're literally antagonizing all these people and then wondering why mm -hmm. they don't want you there right um and then you want to sue and that's really what they're all going to do and i feel like this is a is going to be a interesting court case um because you know um they love to cry reverse racism, reverse discrimination. Uh, if they see anything black or something, why isn't there white history? You know what I'm saying? Like they try to find mm -hmm. these, these things to cry out discrimination, 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 when you're not being discriminated against, right? At all. Um, and, and didn't he like have a failing GPA? Did I read yeah, this somewhere in there too? I feel like he wasn't doing that well. <laughs> so you got to find a reason that you weren't doing well. And let me tell you this. Yeah. I know most people that went to Howard University, black folks and they say Howard University is just not an easy school to it's, it's just it's not easy you don't just fly by and graduate from Howard I know some highly intelligent people who went to PWIs then went to Howard and didn't do as well as the, the PWI because it was just more challenging and they wanted to bring out the best of us right yeah yep. so he probably just couldn't hack it on top of him being an antagonizer and my G was on scholarship too so they gave him money to go to the school and he squandered it and probably couldn't probably couldn't cut it. So as an alum of an HBCU, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound elitist, but I'm not saying it to be elitist, right? There's mm -hmm. a reason why Howard Spellman, Morehouse, um, um, Xavier, some of the others are considered the Ivy League HBCU, right? It's not mm -hmm. this the work that other amazing HBCUs do, right? Mm -hmm. And the rigor that sometimes comes with attending those schools. But I know for a fact, like you said, I know mm -hmm. people that attended some of these specific schools who have talked about the extreme academic challenge mm -hmm. that can take place while being students there. Right? In fact, I think Morehouse at one point um, had a um, was ranked like statistically as one of the most rigorous HBCUs and liberal arts colleges in the nation, mm -hmm. right? So that's, I mean, so just think about that in context, right? And a small yeah. HBCU in Atlanta ranked as one of the most rigorous liberal arts, you know, college and universities in the entire nation. So right. to your point, 
if he probably couldn't cut it. At the same time, when you talk about discrimination and stuff, is was it really discrimination or were you learning law from a very black cultural nuance and stance? Mm-hmm. Because you did go to HBCU. So yep. we talked about this with critical race theory. We, we've often said that that kind of stuff doesn't present itself until the grad level yep. like courses. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, a law degree is a doctoral level degree. Right. Yep. So you're going to, and because of HBCU, you're, I'm almost positive. <laughs> Every single class has a black lens, cultural lens attached mm-hmm. to it. Right. So were you really being targeted or were you uncomfortable with some of the conversations? As because, I mean, I'll sit in DEI and I have to, in white spaces, like, for example, I was just in a meeting Monday, all day team retreat. And we were talking about, you know, like some of our volunteer makeup. And I was like, one of our biggest events is one of our whitest events because our volunteers are middle-aged white folk. And mm-hmm. that does not represent who we serve, right? And I had to say mm-hmm. that in front of a room full of white people. And no, I wasn't, excuse me, I wasn't um, uncomfortable saying it. But what I am saying is that might have been somebody white who's tired of hearing that. But it's just, it's the fact. It's just what it is. That's a fact. Right. How are you going to have a DEI initiative as your main, one of your main mission points? But your biggest event is one of your least diverse events, right? Mm, so you have to yeah. call a spade a spade. So when yeah. you're talking about certain cases, you're talking about <laughs> happening at the today of things, you have to call it out what it's called out. So were you really being discriminated against or were you a part of conversations that maybe a black student said, you're not qualified to have this conversation? Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah. that's the thing, yeah. right? And let's just be honest, right? If it's specifically talking about black issues. Now, um, if it's within the class, the frame you can talk about it from the framework of the legalities, but you can't adequately talk about it from the perspective of a black person or a victim or someone who suffered systemic um, consequences based on whatever y'all was talking about. So I mean, right. so I don't know what happened, but I'm almost sure sitting in HBCU classrooms, like some of those conversations go there because we mm-hmm. all have personal references to some of the stuff that's being discussed. Yeah. Um, so forget this man. Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, and I and Howard, I already said, I think I read somewhere too that their lawyers are prepared, well prepared <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> to sure. fight this uh, vigorously. And I hope that uh, I hope they countersue, mm-hmm. lowest the keys, and yeah. take his little family for all the little dime, all, all the little all all the forty acres on the mules that we were promised. Right. I hope that they get it from Mister Newman and his <laughs> his family. Yep. Um, that's that on that. Now let's go to the blacks who think <laughs> that they are Adam. From Adam and Eve. That's Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon believes that it is his job <laughs> and his job alone to repopulate the earth. Um, be Nick Cannon, you know, he told him, like, I feel like God said that to the originals, you know, to be fruitful and multiply. But uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and I guess you could say it was a you know a principle for most of us, but Nick Cannon is taking it quite literally. Yeah. Uh, he said that he's trusting in the Lord. <laughs> there it is. Mm-hmm. And not latex and or lamb skin. Because we don't know what that <laughs> man is allergic to. <laughs> Nick Cannon isn't done fathering children. <laughs> and to everyone who says he needs to stop, the 42-year-old man said, I ain't gonna stop busting nuts inside of vaginas oh, my God. My God. until God closes up my nutsack himself. That's not <laughs> what he said. But what he said was, God decides when you're done. Ha, mm. ha, ha. But I believe I definitely got my hands full and I'm so focused. I'm locked in. And when I'm 85, you never know. I might. Um, I'm just going to stop right there. And it, I think we've had this conversation, Brian. Mm-hmm. Do you think that too, like too many, like, is there a thing, even with your economic status, that you can have too many children? 
I think in the environment, I think you can have too many. I think with, with this situation where you have six baby mamas, I feel like that's a lot. Because you can't, you can't adequately. Okay, if I had a a big house, like mm-hmm. a Tyler Perry type house, yeah, and I had Tyler Perry's wealth, and all of my kids lived under the same roof, I feel like that's much more feasible mm-hmm. um, than Nick's situation. Um, I don't think you can have too many kids. I think at a certain point, I feel like you may not be able to, if you have independent wealth, you can spend time with them. That's my mm-hmm. thing. I think the ability to spend time with them, nurture, groom, uh, you know, f- love them, but also know them, I think is is the is the this thing. So if you can know them, you can love them. If you can actually have a relationship, you know, small nuanced details about them and their personality, all that kind of stuff. And then they, <clears throat> in turn, feel that they're getting what they need from you, then that's the them right amount. And I don't know if you can have that with 20 kids or 15 kids. I think that's just a lot. It's a lot, man. It's and a he lot. has what, like 11 or 12 right now? Mm-hmm. So and they all live I in different know. houses. Not all of them, but most of them. You have six baby, you have six moms. And they got and you got ghetto twins. You got all, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the things right there happening under yeah. the canon ball sack umbrella. But that's yeah. for him and his people to figure. And the mamas all the mamas say that he's a good dad. So as yeah. long as the the mothers and ultimately the children right believe that their dad is there and you know he they think they kind they is smart and they is important <laughs> that's all that matters it really don't yeah. matter what we regular niggas think um, right. all right lastly on the billboard it's award season and all the things have come and so we've had the what we had the Grammys um we've already had what else did we have Brian did we, have, we had uh, the, we Golden, the, the Golden Globes already happened. Uh, if they have, maybe we don't watch that stuff. We 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 had the billboard. Um, BET don't come to the summertime because they know they know the blacks. Oh yeah, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we've had it's it's award season. Oh, but the ones that we definitely another black one that does find itself deeply cemented in the middle of awards has the Stellas happened yet? Speak, let me just pause. Have to, that's that's the Negro Gospel Music Award. Yeah, um, I don't know, but I feel like I, I don't like the Stellas because they they'll record <laughs> this month, and that thing won't show to September. <laughs> like, like and what? We know, and we know everything. We know everything because every gospel artist posted the Clarkses then put out a whole anthology album by the time it come out. Like some gospel artists then died. <laughs> it's just be so much. That so much. I don't. I, I love us, but I Jones? don't know the Stellars. Bobby Jones? Where is Bobby Jones? He was on, um, I think he was on Sherry Shepard's show recently. He was on Syndicated Television? I believe so. And I My guess she, she was giving him his flowers, but, but you know. He deserves, and gospel music, he, he deserves. He does. He deserves. Bobby Jones is, I don't say the godfather, he, he's a uncle in gospel music. Like he, he, he is. He broke a lot of artists on that Bobby Jones gospel. I used to listen to watch Bobby Jones gospel every single Sunday morning. Me too. Bobby Jones gospel was the black, uh, was the gospel Apollo. Yeah, and then after that was like lift every voice came up after that. Like it was every voice. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was I used to listen to and then Bobby Jones. Give her a Patterson right after all of that. Right. That was a morning. That was a morning. That was a power pack morning. Bobby listen, Jones, lift every voice, you got and your praise and worship, and then you got your word. And then by the time you're ready, you dress for church, you go to Sunday and, school. And you were saturated. You listen saturated. You you were ready. You were ready for the after the Lord. Uh um, listen. Oh, uh, bring that back. Bring back Sunday morning television. Before church, right? Didn't they try to do like a gospel one hundred and six in part with like Jarrell 
from 2103 and some other person. Yeah. It, it, Didn't it well. kind of happen for a season? Yeah, they tried. Yeah. They tried to replace I think after Bobby Jones went off the air, they tried to replace it. But I, that let you know. About, I used to you come home from church. <laughs> yeah, I used to come home from church and watch Gilbert or Patterson again like at 3 or 4 mm-hmm. o'clock. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't watch mm-hmm. Christian television no more. My I grandma still do. I don't. I don't. She, I don't. And she watched them white. She watched them white pastors. Oh, Lord. <laughs> she do. She do. Brought it partially. Yes. Oh, Jesus. And she loved her some Joel Osteen. <laughs> Joel. Joel. That's right. But <laughs> <laughs> your name, you know, Joel. Joel Osteen. Joel. <laughs> your mama named the you Joel. Joel. I'm going to call you Joel. Joel. Uh, but anyway, that ain't why we're here. We're here to talk about the Negro Awards, and that is the NAACP, the National, the, what is the National Association for the Advanced for Color People Award. <laughs> um, we, we usually tell you, all the blacks that won. Mm-hmm. But considering it is a Negro award, there's no reason to go down the list because we would just be high. We would need to do a whole NAACP recap show. Right. Everybody was colored. <laughs> I mean, everybody was of nigger descent. Yes. So, uh, so shouts out to all the blacks from the best actor to the best singer to the best mm-hmm. um, podcaster to all the things that happened. Um, yep. well, one day, we will be nominated. We will. As the best society and culture podcast. And then we'll be asking you all to Mm -hmm. vote for us at the NAACP. We're going to have on our little Texas. We're going to go to California. California love. And we're going to run the red carpet. And we're going to do our thing. But until then, we're shouting out and blessing up everybody who did it. But particularly, I want to shout out friend in real life and friend of the show, um, yep. Kevin Fredericks, better known yes. as Kev on stage, yes. um, for winning an NAACP award for, was it like, best social media personality? Yep. And then Abbott Elementary, our girl Quinta and the crew uh, won for best ensemble in a comedy series during the SAG Awards, which is a very, very white. Very, very, very white. <laughs> I mean, Jim Crow white. <laughs> wow <laughs> type of show i mean i mean because i mean they were the only blacks mm-hmm. that represent really speaking of yeah. janelle james the principal mm-hmm. of abbott elementary is a freaking she's a gem she i is. love her so did you see the little thing that her and quinta the, did the cold open oh no, yeah so yes good. so good so good she so plays good. that character well like she, so well yeah so well i would i think she has a stand-up special on netflix i'm not mistaken really I think so. Cause you know, every yeah. now and then, if you flip through, you see some like s- smaller level comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only say smaller for those who haven't like made it, right? But I think this was before her Abbott um, premiere or like right when it hit. And so if it's not on Netflix, I know it's, I don't know if it's, I'm not going to say HBO, but I feel like I've seen it. Like the, the, the not the trailer, but like, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, like you go through channels. And yeah, you yeah, like yeah. Seen, I've seen it somewhere, um, yeah. but I want to say Netflix. But anyway, shout out to all of them. Um, and shout out to everybody who won. Um, but me and Brian said, we say it every week, but we said at this show particularly that we don't stop celebrating Black History Month in February. And just because it's March 1 um, mm-hmm. doesn't mean we, we're going to prove to you that we don't stop. We don't have to prove anything. This show is really black. Um, so we want to continue that conversation. Like I said before, we celebrate black people, nigga, for seven. That is 24 seven. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to have this conversation about continuing in our blackness and double downing on it and what it means to live authentically in this space, keeping our black history alive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Imagining mm-hmm. a future of just complete and total wonderful black excellence. So let's get into that. So grab your drinks, grab your snacks, put your kente cloth back on, yes. and let's have this wonderful conversation in the living room. Let's do it. 
All right, we are here at the living room. Thank you very much for sticking around. Uh, and we are still black, uh, regardless of, you know, and some people say irregardless, which is not really a word. Ooh, but you know they've added it, it to the dictionary. I don't like that. This, this, okay. Regardless, there's no ear <laughs> needs to be on there. But regardless of, you know, the, the calendar switching from Feb, uh, February to March, uh, we want to make sure we continue to have this conversation. But also, this is a time we can kind of unwind it a little bit. Um, I have a um, a rule. We, I don't give kudos and shout out to certain other cultures during Black History Month. Um, but uh, this morning, I, you know, I was listening to um, I listened to Chris Stapleton, who did a phenomenal job at the uh, Super Bowl. Um, and I just let the music play and it just kept playing country. And I was like, oh, this this is kind of slapping. Like, this is some really good music, some good lyrics, stuff like that. So I thought to myself, I'll say, you know, when I was younger, I never would have delved into this, mainly because I was like, black people don't listen to country music, right? That was an idea. I would have been like, we don't listen to that. That's not what we do, right? So having the conversation really, even surrounding that, uh, the one thing I love about black culture uh, is that we have a lot of commonalities. Um, We see the memes. We all kind of you know, uh, what is the black Twitter, all that kind of stuff. We all have had a lot of shared and similar experiences growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the, another great thing about black folks, and you might love this and appreciate this as a DNI uh, guru, will say that um, we also have a certain level of diversity, even within the culture. Absolutely. Which I feel like, and I, I can't relate to other cultures, but I feel like blackness, our level of diversity matches the you know all the colors of spectrum that we have you know what i'm saying out of any yeah. culture in the world we have probably the greatest level of diversity that we completely have in any culture i can think of um because we don't we're not we're not stuck with just one country we're stuck with just black culture in general and that, yes. that spans the world um so within that before we get into that real quick what does blackness mean to you and then i'm gonna kind of break it down a little further and kind of get some other context into what we're talking about today Ooh, what does blackness mean to me? Yeah. My God, that is heavy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that mammoth of a question. Um, my God. <clears throat> Black, I mean, blackness is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it was interesting. So on the way back from Minnesota, I watched probably one of your favorite movies. Mm-hmm. X. Oh, um, yeah. Of course, yes. I couldn't. I couldn't finish it on a on a top two hour and some change flight. Um, was your name? Was your, what? next by white? Oh yeah, two white women. Were they? Oh, were they uh, nervous? I don't know what they were. I've been playing white men no attention. I wanted to anyway. So I mm-hmm. put it on Malcolm X, and it was interesting because they, um, you know, they got to the the jail scene when he was, you know, being converted. Uh huh. And he had he had him looking up the definition of white and black. Mm-hmm. I said, well, first of all, this this man is the blackest man. Mm-hmm. That probably ever existed. Do you see what memory what the white man is saying? What black means? And look at all the dictionary. I was like, first of all, Aardvark. <laughs> learning, <laughs> learning the definition of Aardvark has very little to do with our blackness, but we're gonna let y'all cook. Uh, <laughs> I just want to start that. I thought that I, when I rewatched that again, I was like, hey, what purpose does this see? That's some TI stuff. Mm-hmm. You read the whole dictionary, you just gather words, <laughs> just gather words, and you know all the words. Um, mm-hmm. but my definition, but I say that to say, like, like lining up like what that definition was in terms of like how negative it was yeah 
and talking about, you know, and then you go to white and see that it is the opposite of black and then yeah. all those things, right? But then, like, learning that blackness is like I said, life giving. It is yeah. joy. Um, if you think, if you if you are Christian and you think about the way in which we were formed from the mm-hmm. dirt and the dust, um, it is through our melanated, like even complexion of of of, of forming clay that yep. all of humanity is even here. So mm-hmm. that's I'll I'll, I'll I'll be very deep <laughs> and say it that way. That's why blackness is life giving because yep. without the the, the source of what blackness is, then there would not be this thing that we call humanity. So yep. I, that's I pride. That. There's so many, I mean, I can go on and on and on, um, but just off top, that's what, that's, that's what I'll go with. Yeah. Um, same here. I, I will quite agree with that. Um, blackness, uh, sound, we talked about sounds of blackness last week. <laughs> uh, optimistic. You remember optimistic. that clip I sent you with Ann in the back? Yeah. Just, just screaming. <laughs> just holler. <laughs> Um, I would agree with that. I think, and I think blackness is, and I put notes here: is community, it's culture, mm-hmm, complexions, mm-hmm. but it also is complexity. Like it's so oh, much, no. it's kind of hard to pin down what it, it what it is. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's it's yeah. we said all the time, like black black people are all the same. We're not a monolith. We're just not. No one can speak for the black culture. That's when I when I get frustrated. People say like, oh. Ben Crump is the black person's, you know, attorney. It's like, oh, dang, dang. you know, what I'm or Al Shopton speaks for the black community. No, they don't. You know what I'm saying? Because there, there's so many. We, you know, just go to the barbershop one time, My and God. you can realize that nigga. We oh, all realize it quick. <laughs> that we don't all think the same. So fast <laughs> <laughs> that that we don't all think the same. So fast, <laughs> right? Because granted, we all have not all, but. Oftentimes we have shared experiences. Like if you can, you know, you see like a, uh, I'm trying to think of something that that's just, you know, if you grew up, most people grew up in certain economic stat- status, right? Ramen noodles is a thing. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. So, uh, or grits or food that we eat and stuff like that. My lights went out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to plug it in. <laughs> listen, I'm just, I'm letting you listen. <laughs> But the when it comes said, to I'm like, gonna give you some blackness. <laughs> some blackness. <laughs> hold on, unplug this thing. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the best blackness right there, though. It's the it's when things when things go down. We just keep going. We keep on going. Like nothing happened. We make a quick joke and we move on about our life. <laughs> and, and look, look at it. Um, but yeah, but I, I feel like that's what it is. It's the, yeah. um, we have, we just, we don't all think about one thing. We don't all do the same thing. We just, yeah, we have sure. um, uh, a lot of texture within the culture. And I feel like oftentimes too, we can be super diverse, but I was also, I want to say inclusive. Um, mm-hmm. But then exclusive sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of saying, well, that's not black. This is not black. That's not black. Um, yeah. And perfect example. We'll use an okay. example. And we love TV. We love media. Carlton Banks. My God. And one of my favorite episodes, Charlton, Carlton wants to join a black fraternity. Fraternity, yeah. And they're like, this nigga ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> and they pointed out to things of you know Carlton never had to struggle before. Mm-hmm. Um, he is certain level of articulate, you know, doesn't have any swag. 
he listens to uh, Barry Manilow. It's not uh, unusual. <laughs> he wears penny loafers. Basically, he does have, he, you know, and all the things, right? Um, so within, I guess the question would be, um, why is it that even within, again, I, I think it's really the ocean, but why is it even within our culture, we equate certain probably negative things with being black or closer to blackness than some of the other things, maybe like maybe not having to struggle or things of that nature. I think again, like again, white supremacy is the ocean and not the shark. And the, the reason why that's relevant to this conversation is because we got to think about systemically what, so Willie Lynch was not a real person. Mm-hmm. His letter and the things about him was concepts, was principles, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Jim Crow wasn't a person. Um, but in, if you understand Willie Lynch, they talk about how you like further control the slaves, and that is by causing division among them. Yep. And one of the ways they did that was um, highlighting colorism, um, mm-hmm. creating these like classes, so to speak, within yep. the slave system. So you got house niggas, you got field niggas, you got light mm-hmm. skin, you got dark skin, you got you know those who were favored. We saw it in Django. We saw it all these kind of things. Favored mm-hmm. by master. Um, you got black slave spy. Like all these kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, and I think when you think about that, um, there are these things that are traditionally so certain levels of privilege, right? Yeah. Tend to unfortunately lend itself to be more quote unquote white. Yeah. And I think we're just now getting to a place to where um that level of privilege is is far more celebrated than it is tolerated. Yeah. Say it that way. Because in the 90s, right, you had those people, oh, you grew up in there, that ain't black, that ain't the hood. You, mm-hmm. you know, you ain't grew up, you know. And sometimes we'll but we're hearing that less because there's so much more black wealth. There's so much yeah. more, you know, black and not just black folk who be flexing with the Gucci belts, but like yeah. people who really are like, I go to Gucci because I can afford it. Or right. I, I got this because this is what I want, this is what I've earned. And I think mm-hmm. in the 90s, specifically using Carlton as a character. We see that on display, like he had, he had a live-in butler, mm-hmm. right? So for him, it's like you got another black man serving you. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, but I've had people come in to clean my house because I was too busy, yep. and I yep. don't. And they ain't another. They they they've always been. They they've never been black. I'm gonna say it that way. I want to take it back. There, there was one black cleaning company that we used, but uh, but it wasn't because like. I, I I needed it like a you know I was a <laughs> I was a black slave owner like that ain't that was the thing. It's just like. We're busy. My house is in disarray, and yeah. I don't have time or capacity, right? And mm. but so I don't have the, <clears throat> I ain't got the funds or the right. space to have a live-in maid. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, me and Ash have explored what it means to have a nanny, like yep. all these. And I I got black friends who have nannies. Yeah. Um, so I think like those type of, I think a certain, unfortunately, a certain amount of wealth and success. Let me take that back. The way people use certain amounts of wealth and success is yeah. oftentimes were oftentimes associated with whiteness particularly mm-hmm. when you start moving to sub like even when you move to suburbs and stuff oh so yeah. you left the black community not necessarily mm-hmm. um but it just like i earn a certain amount of money so i think there oh i'm about to go down the right because you know i love housing go for it but i think there is i think there is one thing to say I'm going to stay in this community, invest my money in this community. But then also, I also don't disagree with the person who says, I'm going to take my money and move to the suburbs because the schools are better. Yep. And, you know, kind of think about that conversation we had last week with Taylor. Yep. It's like, you know, yeah. Like, what does that mean for like, when she talked about like funds, what does that mean for that child, that that child that will be counted in the funding of that school? Yeah. But 
it's, it's, it's so it's such a complicated thing. I'll mm-hmm. say it that way. And I think so when you ask this question about why are certain things attributed to not being black, I think we have to really think about systemically how um how we have been positioned as a community yep. and some of the work that we continue to do to not only fight those systemic challenges, mm-hmm. but to also do what we believe is best for ourselves in terms of economic and social mobility. <clears throat> so there is a there's an art to and a way in which we can parallel yeah. how we advance socially, economically, politically, all those different kind of things while still be being very rooted in our culture. I think Uncle Phil of uh, going back to the um first prince example, there were several episodes when he had to like get get wheeled in check, where mm-hmm. he had to get I think when they friend who was in college, they, they broke black, he had to get her in yeah. check. Yeah, there yeah, was a yeah. few there was a few times he had mm-hmm. to like check people and let him know the work that he's done, the work that he continues to do and how where he is today, mm-hmm. right, is opening doors and things like this. So and there's the other thing about Uncle Phil. We saw very few of their white friends. Now they had some white friends. Like yeah. they went on their road trip with their with their white couple, but most yeah. of the times when they were engaging other people, they were engaging other black people. Yeah, they they yeah. did a lot of black stuff. They 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 hosted the family things. They like you know all the stuff, mm-hmm. right? So again, I think that there. And then if you look at the Cosby's that show, yeah, well to do black family, yep. did a lot of bl- extra black stuff, extra black stuff. Um, you know, had a lot of black friends. All their friends are black. You saw them with very very few white friends. Yeah. Um, shoot. Uh, he Cliff had his office in the basement of his house. I mean, that's black. <laughs> <laughs> that's black. Right, um. Right. So anyway, I just I just think that, and, and I give those two examples because those are ways in which you can pair. But then, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. end with this. We have the example of like the Whitley Gilbert. Yeah. Where the critique could be a little bit more solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she was so removed from black culture. Yeah. And I think in one episode, she found out that her ancestors, her black ancestors were black slave masters. Mm-hmm. And, but I think, I think it later came out that they were, um, they used that to kind of bring families back together or, or, or something that came out in the episode. But anyway, so like, again, you have these different, and that even speaks to the monolith, the non monolithic nature of who we are right. and how we present and how sometimes you have the, I hate to say her name, the Candace Owens Owens and yeah. and then <laughs> what's 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 the former hood guy who was a surgeon, um, uh, being somebody Ben Carson, Ben Carson, like all those people who like for in so many ways forget where they came from, um, forget the struggles, forget what we as a people are going through, and kind of neglect all of that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, I. I'm all. I feel like I'm all over the place, but that's because it is a complicated. It's a very complicated answer, and yeah. I think the simplest way to answer that is that there is a way yeah. to be successful to have all the things that in one case was regarded as white, but mm-hmm. it really isn't. It's just right. that oftentimes the system has showed us historically yeah. that black people don't attain this. Yeah. Um. So in a in a in a in an era where that wasn't as pervasive as it is becoming today. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we associated that back with you're a sellout, you're this, and you're that. Yeah. And I agree. And I think well, one of the things I, I would uh, bring up to the point is really exposure. Yeah. So well, you're a young good. person, you're a young black person, and you say, oh, that's not black because you haven't seen anybody in your neighborhood, in your community, um, maybe attain to certain things, have certain things. So then you'd be like, oh, that's 
white people have that that haven't had that. But one thing you probably would could be, you know, location wise as well is let's think about Atlanta, right? Uh, Atlanta is one of those cities. I'm pretty sure you can probably agree. You're from Memphis, I'm from Southern California, uh, from Pomona, California. And uh, imagine being a kid in Atlanta. Atlanta, mm-hmm. you see the spectrum. Yes. So in Atlanta, you don't, you, it, it'll be hard for anybody to be like, oh, that's not black. Like having a, a Range Rover or a Bentley, that ain't black. Wearing the suits and working corporate America, that ain't black. Like, no, like you can see all of that. So I really, it comes down to exposure. Uh, also, like food, right? Um, I, I love, I really love bougie black kids. I love talking to my friends who have mm. black kids and they want lamb for dinner. You know, they want all the things, right? And it's just like, and and they don't they they don't attribute that to to blackness. Another character we always talk about all the time, Andre Johnson. And his mm-hmm. whole thing was, that's not black. My kids ain't black. My kids ain't black. No, your kids are black. They just have a different level of exposure. Yeah. Right? Um, they're still authentically black. They just have a different level of exposure. Um, so I love that that's, you brought him up. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? I said, I love that you brought him up. Yeah. Um, but, but that's really what it is. It's really exposure. And you have somebody like another character, like his son, Andre Johnson Jr., right? He was nerdy and was into certain things that we probably or Dre wouldn't consider black, but he lived in a different his exposed to different things. So we yes. have we have black folks who, you know, who, you know, do cosplay and do um, you know, Game of Thrones dress up and Star mm-hmm. Trek and Star, mm-hmm. you know, all this this nerd black group mm-hmm. where folks do things that you know, you know, some people may be ashamed to say that they are part of in other certain neighborhoods and groups and stuff like that, right? Yep. Um, that's still considered black. You're, it's, it's just a your black your experience. Yeah, it's it's different. just different. It's right? different. And I, I think you encapsulated my ramble, my rambling so well and, <laughs> and that one <laughs> word of exposure right yeah because think and but but to me that still goes back to the system yeah because when you think about things like think about the Williams <laughs> sisters yeah the reason why in the beginning of their tennis careers they were not able to reach a certain level it mm-hmm. wasn't that they weren't exposed to tennis right right it is the cost of entry Mm-hmm. And that is a systemic issue. Some of the stuff that some black folk, some like my children are exposed to soccer and they play soccer. But when I was at Hillcrest, even when I was in elementary, bro, in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. I grew up in what is which would what would be considered like the Kim Creek of Memphis. Right? Okay, you got okay. some very well to do, uh-huh. you know, side, and you got like you know a more middle class side, you know, and all that different kind of stuff. So yeah. like very very black, but very middle to kind of very upper middle class community overall mm-hmm. but even in that bro one no soccer teams over there not even community yeah. and if they were i ain't know about them now there's a mm-hmm. full golf course like you know the Lynx golf course in, yeah. in, in Whitehaven. but like one no soccer team one nobody playing hockey over there we want to ride polo horses lacrosse you know what i'm saying that <laughs> yeah, was yeah. more over there in the in in, in midtown memphis downtown right. memphis germantown the you know east east memphis proper um and and so again when i saw that i was like when you play soccer, black people don't play soccer, right? right. But that's because again, I wasn't exposed. And when I saw soccer on television, who did we mm-hmm. see? 
whole yeah. bunch of white boys yeah. outside of Africa, right? Yeah. <laughs> whole, whole bunch of white people. <laughs> when I saw hockey, who did we see? Whole bunch of white people. Right. When we saw tennis outside of the Williams sisters, and you know, mm-hmm. and kind of knowing about Arthur Ashe and stuff like that. Who did we see? You know, and Arthur Ashe is our figure. He was the one black man that we know. Yep. You know, Tiger Woods, he was great, but he's like one black, the man. One black man that we know. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I think not only is it exposure, but it's also like you see Tiger Woods, but then you go to the you go to Dick Sporting Goods and was like, that's how much a club? That's how much a set costs? Yeah. Oh, we yeah. Good. That's, that's, that's yeah. how much the tenor record costs? Exposure like, costs money. Yeah, ex- exposure costs money. So, even going back to the conversation, like when my mom in the theater, like, it was a very, very black approach. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to that, like, she can afford $60 tickets for all five of us to go see um, Mama Please Don't Beat Me Because My Grandma Died Yesterday and Left Me a Million Dollars and Left You Out. We can go see that play. <laughs> right. And have like, and I, I remember one of the plays, we was like on third row. Like, wow, she okay. didn't play. Mm-hmm. But when Lion King came and them tickets was $150, $200 a pop, we like, nope. That's a date night for me and daddy or ain't none of us. Going, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, yeah. like the greater the exposure, unfortunately, yeah. the higher the cost and barriers to entry. Yeah. And I think that's why it becomes a quote unquote white thing, because when you finally enter the space, mm-hmm. we're not as represented as we could be. Yeah. And again, as black people are, I don't want to use the word assimilating, but progressing more. Right. Yeah. And not to say that we didn't have successful black folk back in the day, but yeah. I feel like we we care less about what it means to mm-hmm. go to the opera and yeah. have caviar than yeah. we did back then. Right. Because we yeah. know, like, just perfect example. Jeezy had a concert with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. Yes. He combined the two worlds. Yes. Everybody right? had tuxes so and dresses. Everybody and had on that. tuxes. And I make that example to say that you can be your authentic hip hop self, show up to a yeah. traditional opera. Mm-hmm. And still be like, now nah, I'm gonna go down the street and smoke hookah at the lounge after after you know at the after party because that's right. just what you do. Like, right. and I think we're getting to that place to where our blackness is celebrated in different spaces. But I think the further we go back in time, our blackness one was not welcomed, and then mm-hmm. when it was, it was very little representation. Yeah. So we didn't know what to do with it, but to call it white, and that be that became a negative banner for those of us who participated. In those yeah. other spaces that were right. not traditionally black. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, 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 one thing I've been seeing a lot recently, and I, and I really appreciate it, stuff like even our organizations and mentorships and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Our guy rep program, we go into places and, and try to get kids who aren't exposed to all kind of things and show them yeah. what professional, college-educated black men, women, yeah. you know, community service organizations and stuff like that. So I, I agree that's that's amazing. I feel like we, that that is something I feel like we probably need to do more of as far as a community mm-hmm. is literally going back and getting those kids, getting back. In, and, and next week, I'm probably highlight my grandma. But that's something that she did. She literally was able to to get grants and funding and she would get buses, mm. go to the projects, literally go to the projects, round up all these kids in the projects. We love and that. then take them to the museums, take them to the opera, take them to to, to hear classical music and and stuff like that. My grandma literally did that. Got funding from the from the city to do that, and was taking random black kids to just to get art and culture and stuff like that. Um, and then now my mom, she's you know art culture. That's her whole thing that she loves. She's writing and poetry and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of trickled down to us, right? So I feel like that's the thing. I'm gonna write that down because that's something I feel like would be amazing. But um, with that being said, let's kind of transition a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and dealing with black people not being a monolith and the pressure, I feel like sometimes 
uh, not sometimes, oftentimes we feel um, of of representation, not to ourselves, but to other people. Um, and sometimes it's a situation where we get painted as a culture mm-hmm. with a broad brush, My God. right? Uh, somebody does something on the news. Oh, mm-hmm. nigga, that's all black people are. Black people do this, right? And they start calling out whole cities. Chicago. Chicago. They, 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 you know what I'm saying? <laughs> predominantly black cities, right? Predominantly black cities. <laughs> yep. That's how they are. You know, Chicago is this way. Like, no, not really. You know, nope. you know, stuff like that. So, and we get painted this broad brush. Any yep. other culture, organization, police it's officers. It's one person. It's isolated. It's an isolated incident. And, that you per- know. and then, not on top of that, is it not only isolated, Brian, that person has, there was something in their past. Yeah. There was something not right. You know, so there's an excuse Mm-hmm. For every single thing versus like with us, oh, they grew up with single parents. They're yeah. they're, they're 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 inherently <laughs> bad. They you know they grew up around all the crime. Yeah. Yeah. Like like what? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and and so I I guess my question would be: Is there times mm-hmm. um, that you feel the pressure to perform well for your race? To perform well for my race? Oh, yes. That were for the high school. 2003 yeah. to 2007 <laughs> was, was critical pressure. Mm-hmm. I think I've talked about this a couple of times in um in different spurts, but yeah. again, without patting myself on the back, I was that nigga at Hillcrest mm-hmm. High School. And I Go say on. that with a smile yes. because like I wore it as a badge of honor, not because I thought I was better than anyone, but I really I was the people I was the I was the the people's I was a man of the people. Yeah. Um. Okay. There wasn't a person that I didn't really. I, I didn't really. Now, I, I mean, I, I made some teenage mistakes, but like, I wasn't a bully of nobody. Mm-hmm. I didn't really treat people badly. I was. I was like that. Really, that middle ground between the the, the highly educated or the the gifted. I'll say it that way. And then you know what I'm saying like the athlete, the drug dealer. Like you know, my my friend mm-hmm. circle was diverse, <laughs> and they and they protected me. They was like, Josh, you can't come to this party with us because right. nope, we need. They was like, we need you to go get out. Yeah. Bro, I never forget when we went to tour TSU. One of the guys was like, "Why'd you even come?" I was like, "Why?" He was like, "Nigga, you know you're going to like Harvard or something. Why you ain't coming to TSU?" <laughs> and th- that's how they looked at me. Yeah, Harvard yeah. wasn't even on my radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it wasn't. I wasn't interested in the Ivies um, right. at the time. So anyway, so I say all of that to say, yes, I had it. I felt like I had incredible pressure to one prove a point. Hillcrest yeah. isn't this because Hillcrest had the reputation not as a bad school, but one of the schools like where people were like Hillcrest, like mm. you know it was it's the ghetto yeah. school, it's all black school, it was a Title One school, all those different types of things. Um, so I had the incredible pressure to prove that, and not just to the to 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 the city, right, or to other people, but I'm talking about people who were close to me, bro, like yeah. in my church. Um, mm-hmm. there were friends in my church who went to like the more popular, astute well-to-do schools, and then they would come like, oh, well, Josh, you're only the salutatorian because you, you go to Hillcrest. Mm-hmm. Like, that was stuff I heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, minimize my ability <clears throat> to compete. Yeah. But then I would say, oh, so how do you explain when I went to the, and I'm bro, and I'm not a math nothing, right? <laughs> but how do you explain in 10th grade, I went to this statewide math competition and ranked eight? Wow. In the state. Wow. In the state. And mm-hmm. I and our teachers had to be out of the room when we were testing. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you explain that then? Right. How do you explain when we had a a um like a citywide thing to take students um a study of not study abroad but student exchange program? Yeah. Um, to Spain, it was, it was like, oh, maybe you got chosen to do some inner city students. No, it was me. It was a few other kids. Um, 
who 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 went up for like they interviewed a bunch of these students. One of DEI programs back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like the first person, like from that type of school, to be selected. I I interviewed very well. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, like, so it was it was all these moments where I was like, how do you explain these things that they couldn't then answer? So yeah. I felt like I so I wanted it well hyper I used to I, you know I worked this out in therapy and I still deal with it sometimes my my work is not my worth yeah. but I think that came from the point of is that I had to prove how worthy I was by yeah. how much how much success I had yeah and I felt like I was doing it for all the black all the niggas all my niggas at Hillcrest yeah I was doing I was I was doing it for us mm-hmm. and one I didn't have to bear that burden. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying. Like on one end, I felt like I wouldn't change much about what I did because I enjoyed all the stuff I had my hands in. But yeah. I felt like I should have done it out of the pure desire, yeah, to do it. But to answer your question, that's when I felt like I had to not necessarily perform, but mm-hmm. I had to. I had to be the representation. Yeah, I had to show that nope, nope, you can't say that about us because look at me. You yeah. can't say that about this because look at me. Yeah. Right. And it was unfair to me, my development and everything that I probably um, I took the joy out of probably some of the stuff that I did because of that pressure, self-imposed pressure. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, fast forward and past graduating at Morehouse, there were times when I first entered because you know what they teach us about corporate America. Right. Don't do this. Don't wear wear you. I mean, I I used to wear like a short haircut all the time, but don't wear your hair like this and don't do this and don't do that. Make sure you do this and blah, 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 blah. You got to do the black tag. And I think the black tag is still a thing in some cases. But like the way I authentically present a habitat today, oh, Josh Mm -hmm. Rogers would have never even dreamed. Oh, yeah. About presenting that way when I first got into the corporate space. So then I was like, you know, and I, I don't think we say it or move like that as on an individual level. But I think subconsciously, that's what all those things mean. We yeah. have to go into these corporate spaces and prove all the stuff y'all say about black folk ain't it because look at me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one that you can be cool with. I'm the one that's going to get the job done. And then we go, you know, we go vent to our black. And we still going to go vent to our black colleagues. We that's are. We, we do. Are. And we're we going to share culture with them. But at the same time, I love the fact that more of us are coming in there with our locks and our curly yeah. clothes. And that's just representation with our tattoos yep. and our earrings and our piercings and all these different types of things that does not negate who we are, our intellect. It does not negate our work ethic, our ability to be subject matter experts in our fields. Um, and we don't like, you can look at me, you can look mm-hmm. at Brian, and you can look at the traditionally clean cut guy and we're all representations of black. Yep. We're all very different, but we're all still black. Yep. Right. And and I neither one of us has to say that I'm what black people should be because we're all what black people should yeah. and can be. Yeah. And I think so there's a there's a growing freedom that I can only speak for myself that I've walked into, but there has most definitely been times, um, high school years specifically, and then like that, those whew, maybe first five to seven years of corporate America where I was just like, mm-hmm. nope, gotta be this, gotta be that, gotta, gotta yep. do that. Yeah. <clears throat> And I agree. I can anybody in corporate America, black fucking corporate America. We can we understand that. Uh, of course, the code switching. I'm dressing a certain way, feeling that you have to fit in a certain mm-hmm. mode and stuff like that. But like I said, within the last few years, same with you. Hair's getting long, hair's long, beard is full. Um, because I did feel like I had to. I guess my my whole not my motivation, but part of the motivation was like the like the stuff that you see on TV. And your mm-hmm. perception of what black people is is probably the minority. 
And mm. oftentimes in their mind, they're thinking, oh, but you're different. No, no, I'm I'm probably closer to the real deal of what most black people are like. Um, but in your opinion, you're thinking about just folks who you see on the on the on the evening news. Mm-hmm. Or, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or Fox News and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's your perception. And oftentimes I feel like I was trying to show y'all like, nah, that's you know, that's not who we are. But within that, it comes a certain level of pressure that's just unnecessary. Um, and to the reverse side of that, have you ever felt a situation where um, you were you were like, dang, like, for instance, the DC sniper mm-hmm. that did not read black at all. <laughs> that did not read black at all. Oh, yeah. And, and then <laughs> you were, you were shocked it that it was a black person. And then yeah. you're like, oh, um, you know, uh, so there's moments where I think even consciously, subconsciously, one, we, we bear the burden of, of black people, but then also yeah. the reverse side, we're like, don't be black. Don't be black. Don't be black. Yeah. Don't be black. Yeah. Damn. I, now I we, think that... No. no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't no, want no, to, no. Go for it. Go for finish. it. No, I, was, I wanted to go back because you said something that made me think when you said that um, they say, oh, but you're different. And yeah. what I want to say to that is that, but that's, I think you talked about this in the episode where we did You Deserve It. It's because <laughs> you only know me in a certain context. Yeah. And yeah. it does not mean that I'm different. Like, like <laughs> I, I am Josh everywhere I go. But yeah. if you only know me at work, mm-hmm. then you're not going to get, you're not going to get a bunch of nigga, 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 because that's just, I'm not bringing <laughs> that to work. You know you know what I'm saying? And it doesn't mean that I'm fake, but that's just, I'm not bringing that to work. I think right. one of the best examples, I was in a, I was, I was leading a session with the Capitol Tillions. Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> I say that because you can, Brian knows what that means. And, um, <laughs> Um, was co-presenting and one of the we talked about like you know do you authentically present on social media and they was mm-hmm. like well you know what about this I said well my Facebook looks very different than my Instagram it was like oh yep. so you're not authentic I said no I said I understand my audience I said so mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a study I have studied public speech and you know I consider myself a public speaker um, and one thing that I know is that when you're speaking to the public or addressing mm-hmm. the public you have to keep your audience in mind Facebook yeah. has transitioned to a space where it's the aunties. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most searched. So if you search Josh Rogers, like my name is everywhere. But Facebook gonna come before Instagram will. Yeah. So if a job is looking for me, they're gonna go to my Facebook page first. And not to say that anything on my Instagram is gonna stop me from getting a job because it will not. Right. But it is how I address that audience. It's a little mm-hmm. different than how I address my Instagram audience. So for example, yep. if I put a picture of me on Facebook, it might say something around like, oh, um, just left, you know, date night with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it on Instagram. The caption might very well be a great a Drake song lyric. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same yeah. picture. The vibe is just different. And it's not to yeah. say that that I'm a I'm ashamed to say that I like Drake because I very openly talk about my love for hip hop on Facebook. But mm-hmm. it is to say that that audience ain't gonna understand not nothing around. That right. Drake lyric. So yeah. why even force them to be like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or have this weird interpretation versus when I'm dealing with more millennials and Gen Z, it rests. So it's about who your it's about your target. Think about it from a branding perspective. It's about yeah. who your target target audience is. So it's the same me. It's yeah. just that it's a specific context that you see me and you experience me in. So for example, some of our coworkers, Brian, you've probably been in this situation. You've yep. been at happy hours. You might get, mm-hmm. you know. 
a little, happy. you know, a little, a little happy at the happy hour. <laughs> and, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, Brian, I didn't know you were this funny. Well, baby, because you ain't never had drinks with me before. Or, and it may not even because you're happy. You're just a little bit more comfortable. You're a little bit mm-hmm. more loose. Or when you meet a coworker, you get to black coworkers, y'all both start off, you know, but as you get to know them, y'all oh, yeah. talking about black culture, y'all, you know, all these different mm. kind of things. And it just, the, the dynamics of the relationship change because of comfortability. And that's just not at work. Think about anybody you meet. When you yeah, first meet yeah. somebody, you ain't, what up? You know, you like the, the deeper you get in relationship, the more comfortable and vulnerable you become. Yeah. And that manifests itself in the, the level of exposure that a person has to you. So, um, so to, so, so to that point, it's like, you think I'm different because you only know me within this context. And, I, right. and for some people, I'm keeping you in this box. You don't need to yep. know me outside of this email, this spreadsheet, and this and this lunchroom. That yeah. is it. Uh-huh. You don't need to nothing else from me. Yeah. Um, nothing else at all. And I think your question specifically, I lost it in, after all of that. But I thought that was such a really great point that you rose. That's fine. Yeah, but I think, uh, so even within that, I have a coworker of mine. I'm going to call his name out. Karen, okay. well, he's a former coworker of mine. Carrington. Black dude. Went to okay. a QWI. Straight laced black dude. When I first met him, I was like, this dude is so straight laced. He's just a straight laced black dude. Come to actually hang out with him and meet him and all the things. Mm-hmm. He is a bona fide nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> bona fide. Well, you know, when we get in the corporate setting, we like we we have we do the things, but he is a bona fide nigga. And every, and every time we look at each other, I'm like, bro, like I never would have expected this guy. You know, mm. um, based off of our past experiences, uh, when I first met you, let me say that. Yep. Um, amazing person, amazing worker. Uh, he, he knows his stuff. Dude is the smartest way. He's a great guy. Uh, so within that, with talking about hiding pieces and portions of us, I'm probably going to wrap this up in a second. Um, although black people were inclusive, we can't be exclusive, right? Mm. Was there any moment in your life, there's something that you enjoyed um, that potentially could have been perceived as not black Ooh. that you hid <laughs> for fear of being ostracized or or roasted or joan as people make all it in different places. Sure. That I hid. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really trying to think. Yeah, yeah, puka shells. So I, it can be too many things. You know what I, said? I did. I wore those things. <laughs> I, I will say, let me take, well, let me say this. I will say church. Um, yeah, okay, I can see that. Uh-huh. The depth of my church involvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I don't yeah. know if it was my blackness or just me trying to be still cool. Yeah. Um yeah. so I, I don't really want to count that. Um yeah. but when it turns to blackness, let's let's go to the let's go to the shell necklace and the spirits. <laughs> because well, I will say this before senior year, I actually liked spirits and those necklaces mm-hmm. and started wearing them. At home and on the weekends, uh-huh. before I got bold enough to wear them to school. Yeah, okay. And I was one of the first people in my high school that I remember anyway. The, the vans, not the ones that tie up, like the slip-on joints. Yeah. And the color, like the skater vans, like the and the colorful joints, like the, mm-hmm. I had like the blue, white, and yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was to wear them on the weekends and wear them with shorts with no socks. I mean, I had on huge baggy shorts. I wasn't going that far. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then I think senior year, bro, it just kind of changed. I was like, you know what? Because I took senior pictures and some of that stuff. Uh-huh. I was like, you know what? I wore no spirits to school. And I wore my shoe. And people was like, where'd you get them from? And they like, people started asking me where I got them from less than them. Like, I found myself to be more accepted than I was ostracized because of it. But for yeah. a while, I hid it because I was like, nope. 
can't yeah. can't 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 wear this because if it ain't because mm-hmm. I already didn't have no joints. My mama told you my mama gave us a sixty five dollars shoe limit. <laughs> so all I had before before Air Max became one hundred and ten dollars, I, I was rocking Air Max. But yeah. back then, Air Max wasn't the cool shoe. I mean, yeah. I had brand new shoes straight out of Foot Locker, straight out of yeah. Finish Line. They just weren't Jordans. Right. Um, so anyway, so I'm like, I already got the Air Max, and you know, people like because they, you know, you go into you go into Foot Locker, you see the Air Max, so they know I got on new shoes. But <laughs> it's like, so you want me to also not have Jordans? But then one was some Sperry's. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I, but when so I was in the, I was in, I never forget it. I don't remember when it was. I remember I was in Macy's. I was like, Mom, I like, and I, I remember my parents telling me, "Boy, you are such a little white boy." I liked them, <laughs> and I think yeah. one like like one church uh, Easter, I had like a maroon loafer, the little penny. Uh-huh. Yeah. She was like, we, 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 used to, we used to put pennies in ours. And, uh-huh. and like, you know, back in the day, but like, I liked them then. And when nobody wearing maroon penny loafers, right. but, but, but rich white boys. Right. I wanted them, my parents, and that, that, that just blessed my mama's heart because she always just say, I spent $100 on some dress shoes. I ain't spent $100 on no sneakers. Um, <laughs> so like, that kind of stuff wasn't the, the problem. So like, that, so it was more fashion choices. Yeah. Um, as we start, but then right after I exposed, you know, exposed, I like that stuff. The whole Thai tribut and um, preppy mm, era, yeah, like you know, because that was around like 07, 08, yeah, 09. Yeah, so like oh yeah. seven, oh six, oh seven was my senior high school. So like yeah. after I was like, you know what, I'm aware, and then boom, everybody wearing ties. Mm-hmm. You know, short was you know black. We did short tie. I never did that. I oh, that was terrible. Never. Nah, I didn't rock with the short did tie. That. But people start wearing ties with stuff and ties with a dress shirt and jeans. <laughs> like, yeah. looking looking dumb. Um, <laughs> so I would say that those some fashion choices. Yeah. Um, my music was always real black. To this day, I don't know black <laughs> actors. I mean, white actors and actresses yeah. because of Hollywood <laughs> is black Hollywood. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, um, that was it. Yeah, and I think I'm. That was my thing. My thing was culture. Like mm. I, my, we were a black household. Yeah, right. Southern California. So, but so I loved the You know, my love for R and B and hip hop. Uh-huh. But I also, you know, that meme where you'll see uh, it be like, "This is what I look like on listening to my headphones." I'm looking at me mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if my headphones really playing this. Mm-hmm. I was listening mm-hmm. to Eve Six and White Boy, quote unquote, like. Rock, you know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, Andrew WK, like I like rock music, you know what I'm saying? So that was something I like kind of hit. I didn't really talk about, you know, my love for rock music or pop music or, but you know, rock music is just white gangster rap. Listen, it's and all it. <laughs> listen, <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? Like, drugs the, what happened too. Yeah. But, but to your point, when I started being authentic with the, what I liked, that's when. That hip hop rock fusion became a thing, mm. and then Lincoln Park and Corn and all these people who I liked low key, they started you know doing music with Jay Z and yeah, and then it became like a popular thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Rock so and Limp Biscuits tried to enter the hip hop space, and yeah, yeah. And that became like a popular. Thing, but I was already <laughs> listening to rock music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was already yeah. a thing that I was listening to. I was doing. I was just wearing random clothes. I I embraced my authentic. You know, nerdy side at point, but you know, still gangster stuff. Like, but I still, I was like, um, let me just be think about like Tyler the Creator before Tyler the Creator became like famous, like the black mm. nerd. I'm gonna do what I want to do, wear what I want to wear. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a picture to Chris so he can probably post it or something like that and put it on something. Like when I really embrace just being my nerdy 
black self before it was yeah. like cool. Then it became a cool thing, and then like now that's what it was. But I definitely hid that in my nerdy black side. Yeah. Um, because it, I wanted to be cool. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. And well, I mind you, gangster environment. <laughs> gangster environment, and then I'm this nerdy black kid in this gangster environment that wants to do gang stuff, but also want to be my authentically black nerdy self. Like it's it's a it's a weird time to be alive. So, no, uh, I hear that. And what's even more interesting is that I grew up in an era where Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z was really popular, but yeah. I don't think we conceptualized that that was that's actually anime. Japanese yeah. anime stuff. Yeah. But because it came on Cartoon Network and Pokemon came on before school started, mm-hmm. that was like, we just, and we were into it. We had the trading cards. We played it on our Game Boys. Yep. But in the today of things, that's legit anime. So a lot of black yeah. people say, I ain't into anime, but you grew up loving Pokemon. Watching you grew up Dragon Ball Z. Ryan saying, you know what I'm saying? But there's, but there's also this group of people who are like full anime lovers. And I yeah. can't get into anime on that level, but I remember girls who like Sailor Moon and yeah. the original Avatar, not the blue people that Zoe saw Donna yeah, yeah. like Air, the, the Airbender. Airbender. Yeah. But, but that was on, it was also on Nickelodeon. Yeah. But, 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 like, but we're, we were not connecting the dots that that was a mm-hmm. quote unquote in the, like, if you were to really into anime culture, but like <clears throat> black people don't do that, but like we were doing that. So I think even to that point, Brian, expanding upon that, I think there were some things that became a part of popular culture yeah. that black people like openly adopted. And but we but if you looked at it from its roots, we would say, Oh, we don't do that. But then not realizing that we're actually mm-hmm. doing and loving all of that kind of stuff. And now in the today of things, it's becoming full circle where yep. you have, like you said, black gamers and black people just fully, you know what I'm saying, painting their nails black and all this other, because they just mm-hmm. into that anime space and to those kind of all yeah. the cons, right, yeah, yeah, worlds, yeah. because that's just who they are. And, the, and, and I love the fact that yeah. we can be so layered, mm-hmm. but still have our black universal truths. Yes. And that's, I think that's what makes us so beautiful and so different from particularly white culture, if that is even a thing. Because um, we can be so different, so late, yeah. so nuanced. But then I think, like we said before, if I ask you, Brian, where's your junk drawer in your kitchen? It's probably the same spot where mine is. Mm-hmm. If I ask you, you know, if I say, Brian, if I come to your house right now and be like, give me a bag, you're going to open a drawer or a cabinet. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like 50 bags going to fall out. Cause it's going to be thirty bags yeah. inside of one bag, like which is just right. what we do. If you yeah. be like, "Ooh, I ain't got no more ketchup," be like, "Open the drawer right there. It should be some. It should be some. It's some packages." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it's yeah, just, it's just, it's just what do. we do. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's just like how we do. If we talk about what's on your Thanksgiving menu, bearing one or two things, or maybe the untraditional family, we all cooking the same stuff. Yep. And if you ask us about mashed potatoes, like that's a white people thing. We don't cook mashed potatoes. <laughs> like you know, so like there are certain universe, right. there are certain universal truths that still mm-hmm. exist. While also, and even we talk about movies and stuff like that, out of out of the out, outside of one or two people who may seen them, we can quote lines with certain things. We know the oh, most yeah. iconic line from this, an iconic line from that, and all these different types of things. So I love that, like you said in the beginning, one word you used that I wrote down um, that blackness has texture, yep. and I think we all feel that texture that makes us different. But there is community in us yep. that always binds us together beyond the bad stuff. Yep. Um, when I say bad stuff, I mean systemic challenges. Yeah, yeah, every yeah. race 
humanity suffers with crime and yep. stuff like that. But yep. when I say bad stuff, I'm talking about the systemic things that have held us back. There are so many other things that bind us together, and I just love that about us. And yep. to this conversation, Chef's Kiss, uh, I'm so proud to be black. I'm so yep. I'm honored to be black. And I, I say it as a joke, but I am so, so authentically yes. honest with myself when I say if I woke up white, <laughs> I, I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> because I love this black life. I do. Yeah, me too. I do. If I have to come back with any other race, I will, I will come Ooh, back with Lord, black. If, I don't believe in the reincarnation, but if it was a thing, don't you send me back as no white man, God. <laughs> Oppression Please don't do I, I, I love, I love listen, being, I love being us. I love listen, I'd rather be a golden retriever than a former white man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great wrap for this living room. I do appreciate everyone for sticking around. Don't put that on the clips. <laughs> let's let's head on over to uh, <laughs> to pockets of joy. Why not? We're already here. Yeah, we already here. <laughs> All right. You couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, you could never ever bring me down. Couldn't do it then. All right, we're still at Pockets of Joy, uh, where we, for those that don't know, this is where time we talk about things we're doing intentionally. Yeah. Uh, we're doing intentionally to bring us Pockets of Joy. So, Josh, is there something you're doing currently or planning on doing in the near future to bring yourself uh, Pockets of Joy? Yeah, I am. Um, what am I doing? So, I am. I have a photo shoot, possible photo shoot next Let's Monday. Go. All right. Um, so, prepping for that, like that brings me stress, but it also brings me great joy. And mm-hmm. the joy of it is going to be the after effect. Yeah. Like the pictures that happens and things like that. I think I told y'all, I think I told you Brian that, um, you know, I, I net, I network Well, somebody actually networked with me laterally mm-hmm. and yeah. saw what I was trying to do as a media quote unquote talent and what he needs to do to build his photography yeah. portfolio. So I'm helping him as a quote unquote model. Mm-hmm. He's helping me to have content. So the first of those shoots is this coming Monday. So just like, like being proud of myself. That yeah. where I am today has brought this opportunity. So fully yeah. living in that and doing all the things to to embrace and, and make that happen. How about you? Uh, yesterday I made Ditch in Brooklyn, made Brooklyn Ditch School, and we just had like a daddy daughter day. Okay, hung out at the, hung out at the park, ate ice cream, did all this Come stuff. On, Truancy. Listen, uh, so <laughs> I had to hang out. <laughs> I'm going out of town for work. I went to New York, New York this weekend for work, so I wanted to make sure I spend quality. Oh, yeah. Can you vlog it? Yeah, we'll I can talk about it offline because I'll be in New York in March. So we need to do okay. like a niggas in Paris or niggas in New York. <laughs> how how the constant Negroes took over New York in March? Right, constant Negroes take over New York. See, I do that. I will um, leave. It's a, it's a little over twenty four hours, but I'm, it's, I'll be Friday afternoon, come home Saturday evening, late night Saturday. Well, I'm there for five days. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a blessing. Sunday through Thursday. So yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, that's gonna be a great time. Mm-hmm. You hang with Carrie Champion. So, ooh. so other pocket oh, of joy oh. is that Carrie's team and Diddy and Ciroc sent me two bottles. Look at God, of big bottles of Ciroc. <laughs> of Ciroc. So Ciroc. like we can, we can be we can be uh listen boys. they can they can sponsor us. But sponsor her, us. her team did tell me to let them know. So I don't know. I will let you know all the things that the Lord sends my way. <laughs> I am I'm, I am really in this season of embracing. Um, the opportunity. We really say we pray for provision. We pray for all these different types of things. Yeah. When it comes, are we really open to receive? Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm in the space now where I'm 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 really open to receive the things that I've been working really hard for and praying for. So yeah. Yeah. you're available. So I said I said all the time opportunity to you. Available opportunity is nothing without availability. And you are available for the opportunity. Why will so I give to you? Receive it. Amanda. 
I receive do it. what you say do. Use me, yep. Lord. Listen. To show you the way. Me, Lord. Um, so all right. all right, do we have a letter? Uh we we do. Okay. Let's go there. Let's get into it. All righty. All right, good people. We are here at the post office box, and Rodney Jenkins did what he always does, and that is send us a letter on time and ready for us to read to get it to. But before we get into that letter, I want to let you know that you too can be featured on the Jigsaw Podcast by writing into askthejigsaw at gmail.com. That is A-S-K, the Jigsaw at gmail.com. We will do a few things, um, them being um, possibly read your letter out loud if it fits with what something we want to read and we're going to talk about we will then give you a pseudonym pseudonym because we respect your privacy and your pronouns and then we're going to give you the best non-professional therapeutic advice you receive on Cicely Tyson's internet so with that being said understood and accepted Brian Allen yes hair yep who do we have and what do they want pronouns he him ooh okay Leotis Leotis. They, they don't get no better. They don't get no better than right. that. <laughs> and Kiki so, just gave us. She gave it. She gave it to us. So it's right she there. gave it to us. She gave it to us. Uh, I was looking, trying to see what um, if I can extend my flight. Um, uh, pronouns: He, him, Leotis is the name. Hey guys, hope you are well. I have a quick dilemma. All right, Leotis, what do you have? I'm a 28 year old man living in Nashville, Tennessee. I love it here. My family wants me to move back home. I'm originally from Memphis, and that place, just as 901, from Memphis, and that place will always be home. But I feel like my time there ended. Hold on, make sure it's all my reading this right. My time there ended once I moved. Uh, I moved to Nashville after graduating from Lemoyne Owen, Owen College. I, I can never pronounce Lemoyne Owen. It's like <laughs> Lemoyne Owen. Owen College mm-hmm. in 2017. I haven't looked back since. My friend circle is tight. I'm advancing in my career and I'm close enough that I can visit home whenever I want. It's a three hour drive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I am single, no kids, so nothing stopped me. However, my family does not feel the same way. They say I'm the only one left and I make it hard to plan events, but I'm like, houseway, I have literally never missed an event or gathering. My question is, how would you handle all of this? Do you just cut them off and not deal or continue to suffer through the comments because it's your family? Love the show and appreciate it every week. Hope to hear from you soon. Leotis. Um, Al Dralton Jackson. <laughs> First of all, Brian, you got to do it like the Memphis folk and just say Lamont on. You got to just make it one Lamont word. Lamont on. Lamont on. Lamont on. <laughs> Ain't nobody saying Lamont Owen. God, it's Lamont on. <laughs> it's Lamont on. It's like, it's like my grandma say Lumavoir for a uh-huh. for you. You just got to make it uh, a word. Lamont hmm. on. And then you, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, Lamont on. <laughs> okay, Lamont let me, on. I got to give you a little Memphis culture real quick. Um, got it. But to this person, you are sent. You are semi in my life. Um, so I, everybody knows I went to Atlanta for college. I had plans actually. The difference uh-huh. between me and your story, I had plans to go back to Memphis. Um, so in one regard, my family and close friends was like, "When you coming back?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and life kind of happened in such a way that I didn't come back. And uh-huh. when I say life, my then girlfriend, now wife, got pregnant. Um, yeah. And I'm just not the kind of guy to where if I if because we didn't break up. There was no need for me to be a, a, a long distance dad. 
right? right. We still together. Why even make that a thing? Um, so now had we unfortunately had broken up, then I would be the dad that'd be having my son over summers and traveling to Atlanta <laughs> often. Like, I ain't gonna hold you, right? Because if we're right, not together, right. I could be a good dad anywhere. But if we're gonna be a legit three-piece family, right. then you know, let's make it work. Um, so anyway, I stayed in Atlanta circumstantially. Um, you stayed in Nashville by choice. I think yeah. I love my hometown, but I do agree. I don't care where you're from, California, yeah. New York, yeah. Miami, Seattle, Chicago, Houston. I do think it is a cheat code to leave your hometown. It is. Um, and agree. we see that. That's Bible. Yeah. Jesus couldn't do all that he could do in his hometown nope. because they always saw him as Joseph's son. You the carpenter boy. You the one that mm-hmm. helped your houses. Right. Yep. How are you going to save me? Right. And I think that example is very true. Like in some regard, you have to go away. Even if you come back. Like when I come back to Memphis now. I'm not, some people still see me as Josh Robbins boy, but a lot of people like now that they know everything that I do, there's a, so much respect right. for who I am as an adult now that I, mm-hmm. if I move back to Memphis, it would be so different than if I had matured and the level of work that I would have to do to be seen as the person that I am today if had I stayed. Right. So I feel you when you say that you left. And but the fact that you don't want to come, I don't take that personally when people leave the city and say they don't want to come back. We all leave for our respective reasons. Mm-hmm. As a personal side, I take it personal when people say, I hate Memphis, I'm gonna leave, it ain't nothing to do. And I always ask them, well, what is it that you want to do? Right. And when they begin to go down and list things they want to do, I begin to combat that with everything that you can't do right there in the city. Right. Um, and that's not to say, and people ask me, well, why did you leave? And I give them my story, right? Um, but that's not because I'm I am I am sort of a Memphis apologist. But that's not me saying that Memphis is the best city. That's not me saying that they have the most opportunities. I'm just saying for the people who say that they hate it and want to leave, mm-hmm. a lot of their reasons aren't as valid as they believe. But I'm here not also to keep you in a specific space. And that's what I'm saying right. to you. You have to, I think your options, you listed two extremes. <laughs> Cut them off or just <laughs> or just be like, I'm a deal with it. And I, don't, I right. think you can live in the middle. Right. I think you can have a honest conversation and say, hey, I love y'all, y'all. Are, because I'm in Nashville does not mean I love you any less. Right. That's number one. Number two, make them be honest with their with what they're dealing with. Have I ever missed a a, a, a big event? Right. When I hear for Mama's 50th birthday, then right. I come to Pop Pop celebration. Right. Then I come to such and such film. When right. I at the choir day, the other like whatever whatever the events are. Right. You know what I'm saying? I would go down a list, and if they can't adequately say that you've been absent or whatever, then they really don't have an argument. Yeah, right. you might not be at Sunday dinner every every Sunday with my mouth. Because right. you live in a, you know, you live in Nashville. But right. maybe there are times when you have driven down because you just miss your mm-hmm. family. And then here's this. We're only three hours apart. Why when when you coming to see me? Hello. Right? You did and I think that what would irritate me most. You didn't even you didn't move to Chicago. Right. You didn't move across I mean even Chicago is only a seven and a half hour drive, but still, that's like significant. But you didn't right. move across the country; you went upstate. Mm-hmm. You literally went three. You get on forty, Brian. Mm-hmm. You take it all the way. It's gonna take you. You once you, unless you live off like two forty, you go right. from two forty to forty, mm-hmm. or three eighty five to forty. You on forty all the way, to, bro. You don't go no. You don't. You don't make any other exits. You don't make no more. You going straight up, and that's mm-hmm. it. Until you get to whatever exit you got to get to to get to the specific place that you're going. So right. uh, I would just have a very honest conversation and really, you know, and after that, I'd be like, tell me, like, y'all can feel how y'all want to feel, 
But yeah. I'm not. I'm no longer entertaining this this stuff. It don't mean no. I ain't coming around. I'm right. just letting you know right now. This is the last time. Yeah, I'm gonna have this conversation because I'm still very much here, very much present, and very much involved to the extent that I can be, and just let it be. Let it be what it is. I agree. I don't have too much to add to that. Um, yeah, have the conversation and protect your peace because it sounds like you you you're doing well. And mm-hmm. if they get in your nerves and you in a whole other city, they're probably getting your nerves even more when you get back. Uh, let me add quick. Can I ask you this, Ryan? <laughs> what? Have you have you dealt with something similar when you and your mom left Cali? Was that like a thing um, with your family? Like people about to come back? Or yeah, saying why y'all, you know, yeah, wanting you to come back, saying you could have <laughs> still you could have stayed. Not really, not really. Um not really. I, I we didn't really deal with probably my mom more so than me, because I'm I'm just a brother. Like, you know, so now I kind of give more, right? Uh in terms of they tap me for certain things, nieces and nephews. I think if anything more, so I'll probably feel the weight of all of my nieces and nephews are there. I'm out here. I feel like I'm missing out on opportunities for mentoring and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, but to the flip side, not not really. Um, I don't get a lot of that. You shouldn't have left. Some of my friends were kind of like, dude, like come back. It's kind of that kind of stuff. But for the most part, my whole thing is I'm willing, I'm willing to move almost anywhere for me to be successful. So if I can be more successful here, and that's holistically, mind, body, spirit, financially. That's where I'm going to be. Regardless of what it means mm-hmm. or whatever anybody else feels, if you're going to be most successful in most of the areas of your life, be there and be okay with that. And you know, people have to deal with that. You're a grown person. Um, so just handle it how it is. Yeah. And I think that's it. So, Leotis, um, I would love if you had a conversation and write it back in and let us know yep. how that went. Um, but until then, Brian, are you ready to get into the greater conversation? Let's do it. Let's go. Let me talk. Let me talk. All right, we're here at a greater conversation where we and Josh get some things. Me and Josh get some things off of our chests. I say it yes. every single week, right? Yes. Tomorrow's not promised. So cut yes. some folks out today. Yeah. Josh, is there something you want to get off your chest for this greater conversation? I actually want to do something the opposite. I want okay. to congratulate the people on flight, whatever, 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 from Minnesota to Atlanta. When that plane landed, Brian, everybody remained seated until it was time. For, bro, it was the first time. I don't know if it's because it's still kind of close to the new year or whatever it was, but nobody tried to. And I, I was in the back. <laughs> I was like on row wow. 36. Wow. And nobody in like Shocking. a couple of rows in front of me, or even the two rows that are behind me, tried to run up. Everybody literally stays. It was in my area, stays seated until the row in front of them started moving. And we just, and when I tell you, we were only, I only sat for maybe like four or five minutes yeah. because it was just naturally. Mm-hmm. If people sit there, down, it goes quick. It goes quick because nobody was trying to, because I know me, when I see you coming, mm-hmm. I turn into a butthole and I step into the aisle. And yep. I stand right there until everybody mm. in front of me is because you're not like, what are you doing? Right. We all we all got places to go. All we all got maybe connecting flights or just ready to get home or whatever yep. it is. So unless you are genuinely like, hey, my flight was delayed. I really need to get through. But that's usually not the case. It's right. just niggas who are anxious or who just feel like it's my right to move and blah, 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 blah. But I just want to give who I just want to give y'all y'all props. Y'all didn't because yeah. I thought I was gonna have to read y'all. Mm-hmm. But y'all did y'all thing. So yeah. shout out my nigga Gucci. <laughs> shout out my nigga Gucci. Uh, 
I'm sure there's something I need to complain about, but I can't think of anything. So I'm just going to choose joy this week. Ah, joy, joy, God's mm-hmm. great joy. Sing it like you mean it. Joy. Yeah. Down in my soul. Sweet. Beautiful. So sad. Make joy. Joy. Joy in my soul. What happened to all these state mass choirs? Listen, Georgia, I, I, Alaska, Mississippi, Mississippi, Tennessee, Dallas, Fort Worth. What are you? <laughs> right. And then they have the city. What, Chicago Mass Choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Los Angeles Mass Choir. We had all these mass choirs yeah. back in the day. Bring back. Th- that's my great conversation. All these. <laughs> bring the choirs back. Ricky Dilla can't be the last one. Bring the and choirs back. Ricky. The people, so let me say, the, the, our generation of church, we love the feel of church, the sound of church. We don't like church to be long, and we want sound theology. Well, you don't have to get rid of the choir. You don't have to get rid of them even wearing robes. I enjoy a, a good a good rehearsed choir. I also enjoy a praise team. We can have both, right? So this next generation, this current generation of church, bring back the choir, a rehearsed, organized, singing yeah. Yes. Choir. Yes. I enjoy a choir. Like, it, it don't have to go away. And, and, and you can give us some new numbers, some old numbers. Give us a choir. The praise team, y'all send the contemporary stuff. We want to yeah. sit on while Jesus riding on the hill in the mountains and the clouds. But the choir, you give us rocking back and forth, 90s. We, we want that. That's my great conversation. Bring praise team, y'all do that for Brian. If you want praise team me, you give me Judy McAllister. That's the oh, praise yeah. team I want. I don't want. I don't want. I don't. I don't. The newest I want is Israel and New Breed. That's the newest I, I want. I like. I like it. When we was people from every nation and town. That's what I like. From generation to generation. From generation to generation. That's what I love. <laughs> well, nation and tongue, that's what it was. Yeah. Generation to generation. We worship you, black folk with makeup. We worship you. You. That's uh, a good and then, 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 Listen, we didn't even go to a slow song. Or when we did go to a slow song, wasn't no talking. We trans- How did we transition it? We slow it down. We worship. We turned that into the worship mm-hmm. piece. Yeah. We didn't even got to get on the song. Just go slow. What? Just- <laughs> <laughs> and we would be up, right? We would be up. Bring that back. I'm going to my pastor. that back. Zoom in. Chris, put this on the socials. Franklin, <laughs> Franklin, <laughs> you have the power to do this. <laughs> he, do, he does. If anybody can resurrect that choir sound, it can be you. You, We know you can do it. Your first two, three albums was all choir. Yeah. Every album you've done since you went like full contemporary christian or whatever you have one or two real churchy numbers on there mm-hmm. give us a and then you still write for tamala and all of people who's name more traditional style bring give us a choir album yes and i'm telling you everybody named mama <laughs> gonna tap a little bit into the choir band mm-hmm. i promise it's gonna happen because you are the you the and you need the architect and the emancipator 
but you are <laughs> you 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 the one who set the pace. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, he Shout out it. to the pace sisters. You the one who's already done done. You set the pace. <laughs> so when you oh rest in peace, Tyrannus. Rest in peace, Lashawn. <laughs> you do it. Okay. <laughs> and give us some great features. Put the clock yeah. sisters on a feature. Yeah, bring a, Yo Yo out of retirement. Ooh. Yeah. Bring Yo Yo out of retirement. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in an album full of features. Every clock sister. I want them on a whole. I want them on a whole thing. Yeah, I want Yolanda. You know, I don't really go off for Donnie McClarkson, but I go off for Donnie on the yeah. On, on, he, on, he can lead a solo. He can lead a song. Leandria. I want Lisa Knowles. Mm-hmm. Um, make can we get make a Sunday Medley. Make, make Jonathan McReynolds drive a song. Since Chandler, oh, yeah. since Chandler says that it's his roots, put him on one. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, a, a quartet type song. A quartet type song. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Get in that bag. Get in that <laughs> bag and bring some good producers. Bring PJ. Um, in there, Donna Lawrence. Oh yes. my God! Bring Donna Lawrence in the room. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Carr is a choir master himself. He is a choir master. Um, bring Ricky Dillon to be Walker. in there. And be like, ah, thank you, Kurt, for bringing me. I'll bring him in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Willie Neal Johnson, if he's still alive, bring him back. <laughs> uh, get us a Shirley Caesar. You know, Helen, a Helen Helen Bella. Bella. <laughs> That's what you can leave at home. That's what you can leave at home. And record it live at Tyler Perry Studios. Oh, <laughs> make there, it real black. Goes. Make there it goes. real black. The blackest thing ever. Make it, let TD Jakes do the intro, the open the intercession uh, prayer. Yes, <laughs> bro. Ready, ready, ready. Do a collab song with Ty. Y'all already have oh. one. Do another. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, bring Jay Moss out of retirement. There's Ooh. just so many things. So many things. Bring so back many wives. things. Bring, bring back, back wives. wives. And I'm, I'm telling you. Kirk frankly could literally step into his Quincy Jones DJ Khaled bag of, mm-hmm. of, of gospel because he could yeah. he could be the one who could coordinate all of that all of that. You remember Wow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow gospel. We yeah. had all the things. All the things. Bring it back. Bring it back. And it was a side A and side B. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back. Oh, we need to acquire anyway. it back. Ooh, Brian, you got me excited. So I do. I I, I would I, I would oh. do a service at church where it's just it's choirs like just choirs. Mm-hmm. I just want to do like a, a real choirs. I don't really want the praise. I want the, they can start us off, but I want choir after choir after choir. Remember, colleges used to have good choirs. I was in a college choir. What happened? To, choir culture is, is dying. We need it's to revive it. Revive us again, Lord. Revi- uh, revive us. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, if that's with that being said, and accepted, this is another episode of Jigsaw Podcast, your favorite yep. podcast, and we just want to tell you thank you, thank you. Thank you. You remember this song, Brian? Thank mm. you for the morning. Thank you for the noon day given to me. Give Gave my life. I'm going to keep saying, gave my life new <laughs> meaning. No? Let's that is about. grateful about John P. Key. It's a B-side classic. It's, it is. It is. One, like one of his more popular ones. But, ooh. I probably Brian. I'm gonna listen to it. I'm gonna listen to it when I get in the car. Oh, Brian. I probably you, have heard it, but it, you it's just not really I am a John Peaky stand. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got I almost got stuck again. <laughs> but no, we want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank yes. you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you. First of all, I should have said this earlier. Y'all love that different world clip, didn't it? We're gonna have to listen. We're gonna have to have a full another. We did an episode with Dwayne. We're gonna have to bring some we folks did. on. And have mm-hmm. one to talk about the toxicity of what that relationship really was. Because right. clearly some of y'all don't get it. Um, right. Y'all been all in them comments talking about it wasn't toxic. It was love. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Um, so let's we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna find some time to talk about it. But anyway, uh, thank you all for your support. Thank you all for how you engage us, how you supported us. Um, we have made it through two months and you know it's been a great ride so far in 2023, and we can't wait to keep riding and keep doing things with you. Um, definitely probably got some really big things in the pipeline, so super excited to share those with you when they are ready to be announced. Um, that's all I got, Brian. That's it. Uh, uh, keep following us on all the social medias. Uh, I am Josh Rogers. I am Brian Hare, the Jake's Hall Podcast. Yeah. Five stars to nothing at all. If you're going to rate us, leave the comments, concerns, all that kind of great things. Be engaging. Thank y'all for engaging in all of our stories and stuff like that. Shouts out to Chris, shout out to Jasmine, all the work that you all are doing to keep in, uh, in uh, keep our engagement high. Uh, so that's pretty much it. So before we head out, Josh, let the people know uh, what they need to do. Yes, what you can do is all you can while you can. In the very best ways that you can. I feel like Bishop Blake. (laughs) But whatever you do, please don't get caught up. Ooh. Uh, what's his Tom Brian? Put it right there. Yadabasha. Shakubahasi. There it is. There it is. Whatever you do, please don't get caught up with your work undone. Because I see you in the future. Oh. And you look much better than you do right now. God bless y'all. See y'all next week. All right.